Welcome to the Degenerates Clubhouse, a place for less than distinguished gentlemen to discuss nonsense and fuck all tomfoolery. With your hosts Aaron and Armando. Honestly, who's going to listen to this? What a couple of stupid fucking cunts. Yeah, I think at our age, it's going to be pretty common that we are not at 100% energy level. But you just have to you have to power through that. That reminds me uh, of the ill-fated year that I played rugby. It was right after college, and there was this rugby club team in the Philadelphia area that told me that they would get me a job and a place to live if I came pl- and played club rugby for them. And I was like, sure. Um, and that's that's how I came to be to be playing. Where someone took a dive at my leg and fucked up my ankle, and I was furious and I wanted to go beat the shit out of him. And the, the 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 rugby coach is like, Aaron, you have to come off. Like, you've got to come off if you're not. And I was like, No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go fucking destroy that guy's life right now. <laughs> and he and he's like, You have to, if you're not 100, percent you have to come off. And I just looked at him and I go, Coach, I haven't been 100 percent since I was 17 years old. And he just had this like dumbfounded look. He's like, I can't I can't argue with, with his logic. And then, um, yeah, I did I did limp after him and and did did. Managed to like half tackle him, and then I was like, "Oh, I can't walk." Okay, this is a bad can, idea. Can you? Can do you have? Do you? Can you recall any single perform athletic performance, whether it's a, a performance in a game or just a jog or or going for a walk? Can you recall or recount any specific performance where you felt like, "Dude, I did so fucking good!" Like I, I'm proud of this workout or this. Um, game I played at like can you recall any one specific incident yes many Um, but and let's let's talk about the grappling related one where I'm still to this this day very proud of because this week on the Degenerates Clubhouse welcome fight fans (laughs) we're going to talk about UFC 254 featuring Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, that was like a hundred percent perfect pronunciation, guys. That's how you say <laughs> no, it. it. If anyone's at Khabib Nurmagomedov, Actually, I heard that versus I heard that versus ju- ju- versus Justin Gaethje, uh, really, really anticipated fight. And since Khabib, Habib, Khabib, there, Habib, go. there we go. Fifth time was the try. We got it. Um, is one of the most notorious grapplers. I think it would be helpful, especially for people who maybe aren't as well-versed, talk about some of the different sorts of grappling influences. And and uh, that leads nicely into my story of grappling glory um, because there, there are many different, different disciplines of grappling. Um, and I, I think all of them you can kind of break down into three categories, and it's like how many of their attribute points do they want to put in the different categories, like so to speak. I'm still on the the video game uh, sort of methodology, but the the three the three categories are takedowns, control, submissions, and the the X factors are like for takedowns. It could be well, do you want takedowns that are throws, or you don't want takedowns where you're shooting in and you're attacking the legs. And then do you want takedowns that are throws that you need a gi or clothing to execute? You know, something like an article of clothing that you can grab onto. Or can you do it with, you know, with just like no gi or, you know, if you see wrestlers, they're wearing those those super, super sexy singlets that make Mm -hmm. 
men look absolutely fabulous. That's the main reason most people get into wrestling. They see those singlets and like, oh my god, I, I need an excuse to wear one of those. Um, but so so would you would you do you want to do you want to try to talk about grappling? Well, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll tell my story, but first let's give a little bit more context. So like Armando, I know you you're uh, at this point. I, I would say I'm a more casual. UFC fan than you are like you definitely know more about the inner workings and who's doing what in their camp and all that stuff than I do but I would say I probably still know a, a bit more about martial yeah. arts so, so for someone that's been watching the U, you know UFC for for years do you do you know all the different sort of grappling disciplines uh, I I'm and, gonna name off a few and you can probably chime in and see if I'm missing a few there's like well, well, let's let's just go one by one and oh, try to shit. explain what they are. Well, the 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 probably the most predominant one in America mm-hmm. would have to be wrestling. Like, okay, so what's what? So so what is what? Well, and to be clear, there's there are there are different right. types of wrestling there's like, there's as like well. A catch there's, wrestling there's the, and Greco-Roman and all that other. Oh, so, so, slow down, slow down. Take okay. a deep breath. The most the most common one in the United States we call American folk style. So that's what people do in high school and uh, collegiately. Um, so z- zero emphasis on submissions. That's that's actually illegal. You're not allowed to submit people. Although uh, some some of the more fringe techniques will actually get you in good positions to do submissions. But you don't ever. You're not allowed to choke someone out. You get in a lot of trouble if you do that. But so like they like they put a lot of points in uh, in takedowns and a lot and and depending on what the program is like, they'll put takedown or points in control, but it's sort of a balance between takedowns and control. And most, most people will be really focused on takedowns and takedown defense. That's, and, and then, um, so, so say you had 10 points to, to, to allocate, it would be like maybe like seven points in takedown, three points in control, maybe six points in takedown, four points in control, depending on your program like that. And then you talking, you're talking about, so in an American folk style wrestling, you're allowed to do upper body throws. You can also attack the legs. Then you mentioned Greco-Roman wrestling. Mm-hmm. That's that's done in the Olympics. That is all all upper body throws. Um, you're only allowed to attack the uh, the upper body, um, which I, I I think is one of the the most underutilized uh, types of wrestling in MMA because one of the big problems with uh, doing doing a takedown where you're attacking the legs is as you're, you're shooting in, you're really opening yourself up to either get kneed in the head, um, kicked, all kinds of things. I mean, uh, very famously, like Aljamain Sterling, who, who we've talked about, one of my favorite fighters, got a little bit squirrely in the stand-up. He's like, oh, I'm just going to shoot for a takedown. Did not set it up or anything and just f- literally dove full speed into a knee and a uh, was there's, unconscious there's one, in the position of doing the dab. There's one a little more famous than that a little more highlight than that and uh yeah, yeah. ben askren jorge masvidal where uh, that's yep. that's probably like for your casual like person listening to us that doesn't watch mma doesn't watch fights if you can youtube that highlight of uh jorge gamebred masvidal against uh ben askren ben askren is uh notorious like like up there as far as the american wrestling college uh, uh wrestling scene and george masvidal like like was leaning back back against the cage for like the first two three seconds, and then just continued to sprint at Ben Askren, knowing that Ben Askren would shoot for a takedown. And mm-hmm. as Ben is like shooting for a takedown, 
Mazadel again running full sprint, like blasts him with a knee, um, and knocks him out cold, like within the first what five to ten seconds of that fight. It was it was a five second yeah. knockout, and it's it's interesting because Ben Askren never used like double leg takedowns or single leg takedowns. He he grew up in American folk style wrestling and Ben Askren put like when I was, you know, most American folk style wrestlers, like I said, they'll have seven of their, their points in takedowns, three in control. Ben, Ben Askren put like three of his points in takedowns, seven in control. And he learned all these weird ways to manipulate. Cause basically what he realized is most, uh, of the wrestling techniques really rely on quickness, explosiveness, and then some strength. And he's like, I'm not quick or explosive. Like, this isn't going to work for me. You know, like, sure, I could beat other people who aren't that athletic. But if I try to do this at the highest level, there's just going to be people who are more athletic. And I'm, I'm not going to be fast enough to, to do most of the common techniques. So I'm going to sort of flip it on its head. And I'm going to learn. That's what. That's why his, his nickname is Funky. There's a style of wrestling. They call it Funk Style. But it's just... A very unorthodox method where you're not relying on quickness, you're relying a lot more on technique and control and getting people in positions that you're comfortable and they're not and then sort of manipulating them. I mean, w- watching Ben Askren highlights from college is, is a trip. Um, so he, he, is, he is like sort of his own his own thing. Uh, and then the last, you know, the, the, the third type, common type that is labeled wrestling quote-unquote wrestling uh hold on we named off american freestyle uh, folk style folk style american folk style how's that different how is that different from freestyle ah that's the third one oh okay all right sorry my bad it's so it's it's extremely extremely different so that's that's what they do in the olympics so somebody like yellow romero that's probably all he's ever trained because cuba does not give a shit about uh, American high school wrestling. They're like, we want to get some gold medals. You know, freestyle, it, it would be like nine points, nine in, 9.8 points in takedowns and like 0.2 points in control. Gotcha. Um, so it's it's the same general idea, but the rule set is very different. So in freestyle, it, that, and that's what they do in the Olympics. They wanted a, a faster, um, I think probably more exciting uh, style of wrestling to, to you know help attract an audience so if you don't immediately make progress once you get the person down they just stand you back up so it's a lot of takedowns um you, you know you have very little time to actually work once you get on the mat and the other thing is if you do high amplitude throws in uh american folk style you, you, there's this big emphasis on like safely returning your opponent to the mat and you can get penalized. Uh, whereas if you do these, some of these big high amplitude flows, obviously like, I think there's a penalty if you drop someone on their head, but, um, you just get more points in freestyle. If you do a big high amplitude throw, like you don't have to quote unquote safely return them to the mat. You know, you, you, you get, there's a five point throw. So like, those are really encouraged. So it's more, you know, big high amplitude throws, a lot more takedowns. So a guy like Yolo Romero, if you watch him in the Olympics, he's just shooting really quick takedowns and he's not really even worrying about control, which, uh, out out of all the, 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 the grappling disciplines, I think freestyle is one of the worst for MMA because it's like, that's great if you can get a takedown. But then if you can't keep the person down, it, it doesn't do you a lot of good. Yeah. 
Uh, and, that, and that's part of the reason why I think you don't see OL use it as much because he gets tired really easily and it takes a lot of energy to shoot a takedown. And then he's not going to get the benefit of a submission afterwards or keeping the person down for a long time. So he's just like, eh, I'm just going to stand up and do crazy OL things and like hit a, a spinning back ankle kick to their their midsection and like drop them. That's the overview of the of the the grappling that's la- labeled wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you know? The, can you think of some more? Oh yeah. Um, there's also another one that you're very familiar with. There's judo. Okay, so what, in, in in your mind, what is judo? Like a form of grappling. Is, right. Is that- there, these are all forms of grappling. Okay. Uh, <laughs> judo is in my again my I'm not the judoka here. Yeah. That's, I want to hear what you think judo is. I would say, <laughs> what's, I would say, what's the purpose of judo? I would say, what are you trying to do? <laughs> your, the, the most important thing that I've seen in judo is like throwing motherfuckers to the ground, like getting them to the ground, but not necessarily going for shooting, like not shooting for takedowns, but grappling and putting their position in a way where you can throw the motherfuckers to the ground. So that's so that's also the purpose of Greco-Roman. Um, you just you also just described Greco-Roman. Like, what's a, one of the big differences in judo? Uh, gis? Yeah, that's a big one. So for, for people who don't know, a gi, it's like those big um, like jackets that you see people wear. Like like uh, if you think kid, back to karate kid, exactly, yeah. That's a gi, and then also they also wear the pants. Um, and if you've never worn a, a judo or – I don't know if – I don't think jujitsu are quite is, is the same, but judo gis, they're like thick. They're like a thick canvas. So – they're, those things are nearly impossible to tear, um, and I did I did judo for a while. And one of the things that I I really worked on, I was like, oh, if I can get my grip strength strong enough, where if even you know even if I just grab a little bit of that material in my hand, if I can hold on strong enough where I could just lift somebody up and my grip wouldn't break, that's going to give me a massive advantage. Because like you know if I just grab a pant leg and I can just lift you up. Just from that grip, I can do all kinds of crazy throws that I wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So there's a lot of throws in judo that aren't as relevant because you, you can't do them without this like super thick jacket. Judo judo has changed a little bit. So judo did also have does also have submissions, but in terms of like international competition, like the Olympics or uh, like world competitions, they used to stand you up almost immediately. Kind of similar to um, to to freestyle wrestling, if you weren't making progress, so there weren't really a lot. There wasn't a lot of time to go for complex submissions. So that's that's why you you saw judokas do a lot of arm bars because that's one where. Out of a judo throw, you could sometimes snatch an armbar immediately. It didn't. Right. There wasn't a lot of like time to work and set it up, um, but you wouldn't see a lot of, of triangles, for for example, because those, those take a little bit longer. And just just to, to clarify the rule set a little bit, you you get you get points um, based on how effective your throw is. And I forget the Japanese names for for all of them. But the, the, the big one is if you could throw someone standing from their feet where they land flat on their back and their shoulder blades hit, that is called an ipon, which is sudden victory. So if you just do a high amplitude throw where they go from their feet directly to their back and they land on their shoulder blades, you just win. That's it. Mm. It's over. It's a lot, a lot, of, a lot of throws. Uh, they, you know, judo puts – again, it's, it's, a, it's a grappling uh, gi-based martial art where they put like – Again, depending on where you go, probably like eight of their points in takedowns with a, with a gi 
maybe maybe two points, maybe even only one point for some people in control. It's just not the most practical because it's it's all takedown based and it only works if they're wearing like really thick heavy clothing. Right, and in MMA and in in uh, in like mixed martial arts, you're not wearing the thick heavy clothing. Well, j- just in general, you're not anymore. Like even because you know, if you think there might be a, it might have been a time where. Especially in colder climates, people like were wearing like heavy canvas clothing. But like now we have all this like synthetic stuff where if you tried to do a judo throw, even even with jackets, it would just rip. Yeah, and it would you wouldn't wear very well. Um, so what's that's judo? What's what's jujitsu? <laughs> well, I think you, you you answered the question that you were trying to ask me. What's the what's the next? Because we talked about wrestling, judo, and then the question should have been, what other form of grappling is there? No, no, and I was just moving on. And then my, I, and then my answer was going to be jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu specifically. Oh, uh, there, there is Japanese yeah, jujitsu, yeah, yeah. jiu-jitsu, which just isn't nearly. It's, it's the same thing, just not as good. Um, but so yeah, what's what's Brazilian? What what is BJJ? Armando. <laughs> so Brazilian, I I don't know the po, whole. Po, wait, what is it? Po, 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 oh no, don't do that one. That's don't. That's isn't that isn't that like semen or like cum or some shit like that? It. Not like that's so. <laughs> I can't do the Brazilian accent, but yes, that's what they. That it literally it means like like come like as in semen, but it's just they just use it like as as a. I'm trying to think. It's like the way like we use shit sometimes, where you're not you don't mean literal shit. It's just like a point of emphasis. Yeah, yeah. Like poha, so, poha. That's what it is. Oh, poha. So Brazilian jiu-jitsu is another art form. Jiu-jitsu. Again, this is me kind of speaking just as a as an observer, not as a practitioner. So if I'm Saying something that's mm-hmm. inaccurate, you guys can, Aaron can stop me, or listeners can just roll their eyes and say, shut the fuck up, or Molly, you don't know what we're talking about. Um, another, it's another grappling form where you're wearing a gi, just like judo. Um, yes. Predominant in MMA, or I guess most famously in MMA, because um, you would see guys with, most famously, like, like Hoist Gracie, UFC 1, a guy that had a significant, um, size disadvantage to his opponents most of the time a majority of the time i was still able to get guys to the ground and then strangle them yeah so so, and you know what i just realized in judo i mislabeled it i i said it was it was like i said it was like eight points in takedowns two points in control they really don't emphasize control at all in judo it's like eight points in takedown two points in subs submissions right right maybe Maybe seven points and three points, you know, in, in takedowns and submissions. And judo and jujitsu really are kind of the same thing. It's just judo has more of an emphasis on takedowns where judo or jujitsu has more of an emphasis on submissions right. and, and control. So it's like it, it's the same the same idea. A lot of, you know, they might know, you know, 50 different throws in judo and in jujitsu they have like four because they're just they're just trying to what, do do whatever they can to get it to the ground, and then at that point, depending on uh, where they teach you, they're gonna they're gonna either emphasize because because there, there's there's many different schools of jujitsu at this point and ways of thinking. Uh, the more standard ones you hear the Brazilians go, "Oh, you must go p- position of a submission." So they're saying they're saying they want control and maintaining position. And and not not chase a submission too much where you're going to lose control and then get reversed. And then there's this whole new new school of um, uh, particularly particularly where they they will chase leg locks and um, 
you know, they'll, they'll be much, much more aggressive in hunting submissions. Uh, I think the, the best place that that's teaching that is in New York. They're called the Donaher Death Squad. Yep. I mean, it definitely doesn't sound quite as traditional old school. Um, <laughs> And they're, I mean, they're just absolutely nasty. I would, I would not want to fuck with those guys even a little bit. Uh, cause one of the things that I, I remember saying about, uh, my experience with judo is like, man, a lot of these Americans are like, they're kind of soft. I mean, you know, you can almost just bully them if you want to win a match and like you try to bully one of the down her death squad guys, uh, you're going to come back with like your knee duct taped on. Yeah. Torn ligaments uh, and all the shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're rough, rough dudes. So, so how, how MMA has, so the, so the early pioneers of MMA, you were allowed to wear pretty much whatever clothing you wanted to wear. You could wear shoes in the cage. You can wear geese. You can wear one boxing glove if you wanted to. You can wear whatever the fuck you wanted to in the early days of UFC. But then when they, uh, could, could you, could you wear a cup that was like six sizes too large for you? Some guys still do. I bet you some guys still do. <laughs> That that was that was specifically a Brian Ortega reference of as of I this was past gonna, weekend. I was going to say like this last weekend, uh, uh, Ortega. Uh, I don't think he's packing that much heat. Let's just say that. I think that was that was part of his secret strategy. Right. Like it, it was like the the Korean zombie didn't see some of those strikes coming because he was it was like he just could not look away Stop, from yeah. Brian Ortega's <laughs> giant like uh, giant uh, tie cup. But um, so yeah, an MMA MMA. Um, has adopted like unified rules across different promotions and organizations. And now they kind of have more or less a standard, um, I should say kit. Like if you're a guy, like you're usually wearing just shorts or, or like, like booty shorts or like nut huggers. Mm -hmm. Um, seldom you see guys wearing like, Sometimes you see them wear like the Muay Thai style, like the longer shorts. But yeah, and, and regardless, you're not even you're not allowed to grab them, no matter what you're wearing. Right. So, so because of the change of clothing, um, now jujitsu uh, practitioners um, are having to adapt their art to be able to submit guys or choke dudes out without the use of a gi. So now you'll have a lot of guys, like especially guys in the UFC or in MMA in general, they'll say, well, do you train jiu-jitsu? Yes. Do you train with the gi on? Because some guys do the, the gi training, the, the, I guess the traditional style of training. So, so the, usually, I mean, they'll just talk about gi, meaning they're wearing the gi or no gi. Right. You know, and, and it sounds like it's a whole separate thing. They're just saying they're not wearing a gi. Um, and j just to, to clarify a little bit, like this is one of the things that – gave me trouble uh in in jujitsu because you're you you can weaponize the the gi yeah. uh it can be something that you use against your opponent and your opponent can even use your own gi against you and um <laughs> this is actually this happened to me in judo when i first started in judo there there was this old fucking french guy he must have been like 60 and he would still ju you know do judo he'd come to practices you know, and obviously I'm trying not to like crush him or anything, but I would get him down, and then he he got me with this several times. Where if you can, if you can kind of imagine, it's this thick, heavy jacket, and he would grab the the left lapel and the right lapel, and he would he would pull um, he would pull my left lapel to the right, so it's coming it's coming across my throat one way. And he pull the right lapel to the left, 
and he would basically choke you out. He, and he, yeah, he would choke. He choked me. He did this a couple times. He choked me out with my own fucking gi. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. I just got <laughs> choked out with my own little jacket just because I didn't. I wasn't something I knew to look for, or I even saw coming. And he was. He was. He had that like old man strength where his grip was just crazy. And like, yeah, I could you know toss him around on the feet, but. If if I when I didn't know how to protect my neck yet from my own gi, he just kept getting this in. So like, there's there's a lot of the um, maybe not a lot, but there's some chokes that are very specific to the gi that just were were all out the window. The the difference with jujitsu is it was a lot easier to to modify uh, and make some small tweaks to um to to the techniques to make them work without a gi and some you don't even need a gi for like like um a kimura you don't need a gi you know obviously i had an arm choke there, there's no need an arm bar you don't need a gi there's a bunch yeah. of them a tri- triangle it's not necessary whereas uh with judo you have it's like you, if you don't have a gi in judo it it basically just becomes greco-roman wrestling and it's like you might as well just do Greco-Roman because yeah. you're going to be so much farther along. That's why you just don't see a lot of judo practitioners because it, it's it's not a easily transferable skill to MMA. I uh, I just just casually hearing like guys like Matt Serra talk about it. Like Matt Serra still trains in gi, and yeah. one of the other um, I guess um, nuances is that when you're training the tra- the more traditional gi style jujitsu. Um, mm-hmm. you have to be that much more, I guess, mindful to leave yourself open for openings for, like you said, the other guy can use your gi against you. So it makes you like really focus on technique. Um, whereas in uh, a no gi, um, you have nothing to grab onto, so you can kind of be a little bit more wild, I guess. Well, so there, there there's two things. There, so you're exactly right. You have to be a lot more tactical. You have to take things step by step sequentially. Because a lot of times, if you don't have a gi on, you can you know you get in a bad uh, situation. You can scramble out, meaning you know you just you you put a burst of energy. You kind of just pull pull out of that situation. Yeah. And when you have a gi, one yes, they can just grab onto your lapel. They can grab onto your your sleeve they can grab onto your pants the other thing is it's just there's so much more friction right because it's like rough canvas on rough canvas so there's there's some places where it, it doesn't matter how strong their hold is they would just slide off of you and in, in a gi you you just there's too much friction where you just can't quite get them off so so there's there's a move um that I learned, you know, from from wrestling when I was probably still a teenager, and I loved it when you know. And this, have you ever? Uh, oh, I'm trying to think if if anyone's ever done it. You know, what? I've never seen anyone do this in MMA other than uh, Gilbert Burns did a, a version of it when he fought Damian Maya. But long and short, it's like if if someone is trying to get the hooks in, so me, so it's meaning the 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 there is someone behind you. They want to take your back so they can, you know, get wrap their arm around your neck and chuck you out. But to secure the position, p- position before submission, they they want to to hook their their legs around yours so they're kind of in this little backpack, like like kind of like uh, like little little koala bear. But they they've got their their legs hooked around you. So this this is this is uh, I'm trying to think how I can explain this clearly. 
But so, Armando, you, you're probably very, very familiar with watching people try to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what, what I what I would do, and I, I would, no gi, I would do this all the time to, to BJJ practitioners. I would bait them to, to put a hook in. I loved it when they went for a hook. But what I would do is I would actually, I would tuck, if you can imagine this, I would tuck my my arms. So, if, so I sometimes would, I would usually do this from the left side. So I'd like stick my left leg out. Like I was trying to to post up and stand up, and it was just it just this clear opening. Like oh, super easy. Just put that hook right in. My left leg's exposed. They can just stick it right in. But I would tuck my left arm around the inside of my left thigh, so that when they would put the hook in, it would go over my left arm. Mm-hmm. And then what? And this is a little bit hard to explain, but I would sort of you you, you do a swimming motion with your left arm, so it, it rotates their leg up, and then you you sort of shoot your hips down and twist, and you make this like little tunnel like like between their leg and like underneath their butt, where you just scoot right out the back. Gotcha. And then you're and then you've got their back, and it just it it fucks them up. Their jujitsu people are like, "What the hell just happened? I was about to get the hooks in and get it." You know, in their mind, they're already going through. Okay, I get the hook in, and then I secure that wrist, and then I work for the choke, and then like, they're just making contact with the hook, and then you're behind them. They're like, "What the fuck just happened?" Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back and watch, Gilbert Burns did a version of that against Damian Maya. He's the only person I've ever seen use it. I w- I would be glad to go to that in MMA. The first time I tried to do that in a gi. There was so much friction. But you couldn't really, you couldn't really squirrel out. I, well, I went to swim and slide, and I just didn't slide, and they basically ended up just putting a hook in where my arm was trapped. So it was like instead, instead of being able to, to slide out, I just had my arm pinned to my body. So now I only had one arm to defend. I was like, "What the? F- yeah, yeah. How did I get myself in this mess? Okay, I guess this doesn't work working gi. Um, but again, I think. All the geese stuff is becoming outdated just because we have all these synthetic fabrics and clothing. Uh, do, do you know this? This is a this is this is the bonus round. There, there's one more type of grappling that I'm gonna say is sort of relevant to this weekend. I I will be impressed if you know what it even what it is by name, let alone what the actual quote unquote martial art is. One more one more type of grappling. Very relevant to this weekend. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna. So I'm gonna just throw a dart in the air, see if it lands. Sambo. Oh, he gets it. Ding ding ding. I got it. That's one 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 thousand points yes. to to Team Armando. Right. You get a, an additional imaginary twenty five hundred points if you can tell me what the fuck Sambo is. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm not too. So the first the first time I heard, or the first couple times I heard of Sambo being practiced in MMA was uh-huh. guys like. Fedor Melenenko and uh-huh. uh, Andre was it Andre Arlovsky, where it's it's a grappling it's a form of grappling that's very um, it's emphasized in Russia somewhere in Russia yes I guess it's its roots are Russian um, I don't know a whole ton of it Russian Russian we will use sambo to break you I don't know a whole ton of it um, I I've not like. Specifically because the commentators are probably not as um, keen on the yard as well. Like they don't point out certain sambo techniques. They just like, oh, he he knows sambo. Like I I don't know my like my my education on sambo is not very good. So let me let me break it down to you. First of all, sambo is sort of Russian fuckery. Um, fuckery. It's it's Russian fuckery. <laughs> yes. So it's not it, basically what happened was I want to say like. 
1920, 1930, around then, the Russians wanted to uh, create a martial arts for, I don't know if it was their military, their police force, something along those lines. So they sort of looked at existing martial arts and took a really weird combination of things from existing grappling techniques. So first of all, you wear you wear not a full gi, you just wear a jacket, and then you have like wrestling pants on. So mm-hmm. it has a lot of the throws from judo because you have a jacket, but then it also has takedowns, like more traditional takedowns because because you have a, a, a leg, and they they do way more submissions than than um, a lot of a lot of uh, like just pure wrestling technique. Don't they don't they emphasize more in also like weird body lock type of transitions and stuff like that? Or am I making this up? Yeah, so so it's it, there's a lot more upper body throws. It's like okay, let's, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a points breakdown. It would almost be like three point three points in takedowns, control, and submissions. Like it's a much more even spread. Mm-hmm. But the where that where they took the different you know areas, like they have uh, in terms of submissions, they have a lot more leg locks than you'd see in um, a lot of the. Although leg locks are becoming well, not becoming leg locks are now super popular in BJJ, but they didn't used to be. Uh, the takedowns you see a lot more upper body takedowns and throws, um, so it's a little bit more judo Greco Roman. Um, and then in terms of control, you will see a lot of sort of like body locks and reversals. So it, it, so it's like this this like it's like got pieces of judo, it's got pieces of Greco, a little bit of of kind of kind of uh, I guess. It, freestyle wrestling but not very much um it's got some of the the submission aspects of um bjj but but again it's it's like maybe only like not even a third of what you would get in bjj but it has this sort of weird balance where as a sport it doesn't entirely make sense you look at it and you're like what the fuck's going on but it is very practical to mma because it gives you a lot of really applicable translatable skills that you can then use um the gi is a little bit weird uh again not real relevant but it's very easy to translate so you you get a guy a guy like khabib who has a lot of sambo experience and if you watch him khabib that's what i said um (laughs) khabib khabib nurmamedov and (laughs) khabib nurmamedov just get the first name right I'll get the. That's what I said. Happy Yeah, okay. That's how, that's how you say it. That's but I'm I'm just the the craziest part was once I actually did hear him pronounce it. Uh, he his pronunciation was perfect, and I was like, none of us have been saying it right this whole time. Yeah. It was his last name was when he I heard it how it's actually supposed to be pronounced. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm just calling him Khabib Nurmagomedov. I, I I can't the funny part is I mean I don't know why I started pronouncing it weird this episode I normally pronounce it not correctly but the way that like most of the media does and and I'm just gonna start calling him Nurmagomedov because it's it's I want to hear him it's say, amazing I me now I don't think I've heard him say his name yet um but but anyhow when you look at when you look at uh, uh, Habib his it's called the eagle Habib okay Habib Habib um. His upper body takedowns are excellent. His his takedowns in space when he has to shoot a single or double leg when it's more you know American folk style sort of freestyle he's actually not very good. 
Um, that's that's probably the weakest part. Like he's not good at, at takedowns in space. So to get somebody down, he really wants to to force them back to the fence where he can either clinch or he can chain wrestle. He doesn't want to have takedowns in space because he's he's just not great at it. Like he uh, he had a ton of trouble with Ally Quinta when Ally Quinta was like, oh, if I just don't back up and let him jab me in the face, he can't take me down. Cool. Um, and that, but then the problem is once he gets you down, his control is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, like that's, he does a great job of capturing limbs, meaning like he'll, he'll wrap, like wrap up your, you know, his opponent's ankle with his, with his leg. He'll trap it with his leg so they can't use that limb anymore. And then I think one of the things that really sets him apart, even from other uh, Russians in his camp is he's got just an insane grip where he will get he'll get like a, a inside uh, wrist control, meaning like he goes around the back under the arm and then captures a wrist. And it's like you just cannot fucking get that wrist back. You see like grown men who are you know pro fighters, extremely strong themselves, and they just cannot get their wrist back. It's like um, you know like like what uh, uh, you know, like a pitbull that like clamps on and you have to like drive a spike through its its brain to like get it to let go like that's what his grip is like fucking clamps on it's like yeah like you're just not getting that wrist back no matter how hard you try to peel his hand off um so it's like and then his like submit he has submissions that's not that's not the 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 bulk of it but his submissions are better than most of the straight like uh, wrestle boxers that I was talking about, who were American folk style wrestlers, and they're just like, you know, they're they're maybe they're just trying to get a takedown and they're trying to control and ground and pound, but they're usually not going to submit you. So he is a very interesting breakdown. Um, so so now now that we've explained all this, your your initial question. Do you remember what your even yeah. what your initial question yeah, was? Yeah, my initial question was, have you ever had a um, a performance? Uh, an athletic performance, be it a workout or a, a game or whatever, where you felt like, th- like y- you peaked, like this is like holy shit! I can't believe I did this. Yeah. So, so in in the realm of grappling, this this would be the one that I always think of. Uh, I was I would have been sixteen years old at this point, um, and I it was weird. I, I was really trying to sort out what I wanted to do with wrestling because I I'd come off. A really rough year where I'd been cutting a ton of weight. I hadn't finished. I'd finished the year really poorly, um, and I was like, "Do I want to go in all in with wrestling?" Like I had this weird thing, and one of my friends um, was a member of a a elite wrestling club called Renegades. And to give you a little bit of the backstory, did you ever see the movie Foxcatcher? Yes. I have. What, can you give it like a really quick synopsis of Foxcatcher? Um, Steve Carell plays like a kind of um, – he's the heir to a company. DuPont. DuPont. It's John DuPont. He's an heir. He's, and it's and – he, And he's really rich and he's trying yeah. to um, basically um, sponsor the, uh, a, a re- the wrestling uh, circuit in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um he finds these two brothers, and I'm forgetting their last name. You probably know who they are. Yeah, the two brothers. Yeah, that's okay. So he finds these two brothers, and he gets this wrestling program off the ground, and and it's the, the, the Schultz brothers. The Schultz yeah. brothers, and um and Carell Carell is just like this really kind of. He's an out there fucking character. He's really like un- unhinged. I think yeah. is a good way to. And uh, anyway, he he ends up kind of obsessing. I guess is a 
the most gentle way to put it um, over this whole the, the wrestlers and the wrestling program. So much so that um, he ends up like killing one of the guys, like he ends up shooting him. Yeah. Well, so so you hit on you hit on the the idea that he wanted to finance USA wrestling because all these other countries like Russia, Cuba, um, you know, you're getting you're getting money if you win medals. You're getting houses. Um, you know, in, in Cuba, one of the, the the stories that really put Yoel Romero into perspective is in Cuba, like when you're in the system. You're getting you're getting fed. You're getting paid to wrestle, and if you're the number one guy on the death chart, you're getting fed really well. And if you're the number two guy, you get you know you're getting fed pretty well. If you're getting if you're three, you've got like enough to eat. If you're like six, you're like just getting enough to to like stay alive. So so it's really really brutal. And but the, the long and short, if you're a premier wrestler in these countries, like that's all you have to do. You just have to fucking train and focus on wrestling. And the Americans, we didn't have any of that. Like they had a they had to work, you know, full time jobs. And John Dupont was like, okay, I'm fucking insane, but I'm going to finance USA Wrestling. He had this Foxcatcher estate. Um, you know, that's that that was his family estate. You know, grounds. There was a big mansion. Their houses, and he built training facilities there. And he had. Uh, Dave Schultz is the head coach come to live there and what is not covered in the movie because I mean it wasn't really relevant to what happened um, was they also had a like the youth program there like the the Olympic development program for the youth uh, squad and that whole movie takes place like I don't know like 25 minutes from where I grew up something like that Mm. Uh, because that's Pennsylvania to this day is like the heart of the wrestling world in the United States like the 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 difference in caliber of wrestling in Pennsylvania and everywhere else is like marked. Like you've got Pennsylvania a tier unto itself, uh, and then I think New Jersey and Ohio and maybe New York, but I think New Jersey and Ohio are like a second tier. And then California is good, but it just mainly just because of how many people there are. But it's it's maybe a step down. And then there's everywhere else. Where like when I was coaching in. Colorado, I was coaching high school wrestling just for a season as an assistant for fun. I was laughable. Like the state champions, uh, I was like, oh, they wouldn't have even made it out of like the first round, like our league, our league tournament. Like they wouldn't have even been all league, let alone state champion where I grew up. Um, But so long long story shorter. uh, Short story longer. The, the, yeah, the, the, this this whole thing with John Dupont, he he hires Mark Schultz uh, to be the coach, goes off the fucking deep end and shoots him and murders him, and th- this all happened I think when I was a freshman in high school. Oh wow! And and of course like he he goes away to prison, like the whole thing is dissolved. But there was this youth program that was like, what the fuck? Like we we had a good thing going. We don't want to just. Stop. I mean, because, you know, they had people coming from, you know, driving in three hours from all different states to train and practice. And we want to keep going. So they call themselves the Renegades. I believe that's how the story goes. Um, And they basically became like the unofficial uh, Olympic development program. And so meanwhile, like I'm I'm you know, after my sophomore year, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck I which direction I wanted to go with, with wrestling. Like I'd been all in and then. Just spent, you know, two months starving myself and uh, wasn't real sure what I wanted to do. And one of my friends was like, one of my friends was in the Renegades. He was a member and he was like, hey, just come to practice with me. And they, the way he convinced me to go 
was they had moved from the Foxcatcher estate, which was not, not an option. At, you know, post post murder, they're like, hey, let's yeah, let's yeah. not return to the, this uh, site of, of murder, which is I don't even know who 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 is in charge of it anymore. And they they moved the practices to Haverford School, which was like a really fancy um, prep school, but it was like Haverford School was like five minutes away from where I lived. So he's like, it's like five minutes from your house, dude. Just come. Uh, I don't, I don't think he was allowed to just invite me to come. Oh. <laughs> like, but, but I was, I sh- and I showed up and like, I like, oh my god, the first practice I went to, I, I just, I got the shit kicked out of me, just relentlessly. I, I was, not, I've never, I never seen anything like it. It was a ninety-minute practice, but it was like a full sprint. Like everything was fast. Like even when the instructional sections, like he, you know, the, this this coach, uh, his name was Dale Bonzel. He would hit the mat. He'd go. Boom, boom, boom. Everyone would sprint full speed right to the center. He'd be go. Okay, we're gonna work this technique. This is how you do it. This is how you go. Go go. He. Everyone would sprint back and they would like rep it, rep it, rep it. He'd hit the mat. Boom boom boom. You sprint and he'd go another one. The whole practice was like that. Just. Full speed, nonstop, like you never stop moving pretty much as fast as you could for 90 minutes. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And then, yeah, by the time we even got to like the live section, I was just exhausted. I, and I was just getting fucking kicked around. And I remember thinking like, this is insane. You know, I'm sitting in my car trying to drive home. Like, I like, don't feel like I can even lift my arms up. And I was like, I thought I was in amazing shape. Like, <laughs> I, just, I, I just finished a lacrosse season. I, I knew I could literally just sprint for a whole lacrosse game, and this 90-minute practice just demolished me. I'm surprised that at that point they didn't tell me, like, hey, what, just don't come back. Like, <laughs> you're not um, – because, again, I didn't I, – I was, I was focusing in, in, uh, in Tom World. Tom, Tom is, like, was sort of, like, eccentric genius. I mean, when I say eccentric genius, he literally – he got a near-perfect score on his SATs um, – and then went to Princeton and is now a theoretical physicist. Like that was Tom, but he's also a really good wrestler. Um, and he's like, "Hey, come come back one more time." Like you and I, I, I don't think he said this, but this is sort of my implication. Like I think he felt like I embarrassed him a little bit because because I remember him saying he's like he's like he's like yo so and so I don't remember the kid's name but he's like. He's like, why did you bring this Jaffe guy? Like, he sucks. And, t- and I was like, I told him, no, he's good. He just, he just, that was his first practice. And I was like, fuck, okay, I have to go back so I don't embarrass Tom. Um, and I go back for the second one, and I just like, I do a little bit better. The second time, I was holding my own. Uh, and then, the th- you know, and the third time, I did a little bit better still. And one of the, the biggest, the biggest uh, hurdles for me was that this was all freestyle. They were, because they were training them for international competition. And I'd only done folk style, and it was the pace of it, the caliber of it. I mean, the expression "iron sharpens iron" was like full display. You know, the the talk. But I remember before the practice started, were these fucking meathead wrestlers slash geniuses. I mean, Tom was like a little literal genius, but discussing like, okay, well, you know, if we'll probably meet at this round in the state tournament, and then if. I'm gonna probably beat you, and then this fuck you know I'm gonna beat you, and like you, you you, and there were there were guys who had driven from like three states away just to come to these practices and go back. I mean it was it was intense, and I, I you know I, I'm just sitting there like wow this is nuts. I'm like a little fly on the wall just watching all this go down, and the third practice there was there was major hype, big time hype because 
the Russian Olympic development program was coming for like a tour and, and the renegades were stopped number one and there was going to be two exhibition matches. Uh, and I was like, fuck, like, fuck. Yeah. Like I'm going to go watch, like, this is awesome. Like I'm not, I'm not on the squad, let alone like in the rotation to wrestle. Like there was no, there was no question of that, but I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And, um, I watched, I actually, I show up for the first one and, uh, it's again a really close match, uh, but 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 Tom who Tom was one of those kids who like he like was a full grown man when he was in seventh grade, mm-hmm. um, so he like and and he and he, I don't think he ever grew from that point, but you know by the time he was sixteen he looked like again like he looked like he was like mid thirties, <laughs> and th- this kid that he was wrestling had a rough a rough time of it and they were the Russian there was a little bit of a controversy because the Russians are like he's this boy is not he's not sixteen what, what are you trying to do and they're like no no he is I, th- I don't I don't know if they, they pulled out a birth certificate or or whatever, um, and then but so anyhow like I I'm like that was fucking cool it was a really close match and like. You know, there was all this talk, like, we got to sweep them. We got to, you know, I, and I, I, you know, it's just, I, I felt connected because I'd been in those practices. I heard the guys talking about it. I'm like, fuck, I want to go to the next one too. It's five minutes from my house. What the fuck else am I going to do? I'm 16. I had like one friend, like I show up, I show up for the second one too. And I got, I get, get there early. I got a nice front row seat and I'm just sitting there waiting for it to start. And I hear Bonzel and the assistant coach talking and they're just furious. They're like, fucking Tommy. Fucking, because they're the only people I ever heard uh, call him Tommy. But they uh, they were, and not once to, to, to curse either. I never heard them curse. So that's why I knew they were upset. They're like, fucking Tommy, I can't believe you'd do this. And and then I'm just sitting there. And he's like, it's like knucklehead gets his wisdom teeth out and thinks he's going to be able to wrestle that same day. Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and they're, so now they're scrambling. They're like, oh, my God, we got this huge hole in our lineup. Like we don't we don't have anyone. We could try to move so and so this spot, but then that's gonna screw that up. They're like going through all the the gamesmanship of like how they're gonna try to arrange the lineup to like maximize where they could still win because it just throws everything. And they're still off. wrestling in weight classes, right? There's not like any dude can wrestle yeah. any dude, right? Uh, we have to make the minimum, but yeah, it's all in, it's all in kilograms. Gotcha. Um, but yes, there's weight classes, and you, you know you you can go up uh, if you're a little bit lighter. But you can't go down if you're. Yeah, you can't go yeah. down. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there listening to all this and like, I was my my brain was sort of like switched off. I was in spectator mode. I wasn't really and I and I just like I was like oh like that's basically my weight class and they're like what and I was like yeah I mean Tom's a little bit heavier but like that's that's what I weigh uh, and they're like then there's just this long pause. And they're like, and then they go, how much freestyle experience do you have? And I go, uh, well, I've got the three practices that I came to. That's it. And there's this other long pause. I'm like, uh, I got my wrestling shoes in the car, though. And I just remember uh, this, this Bonzel guy. I mean, he's, he's just, just, he must have been 60, but like, I would have been terrified to wrestle him. He just looked like hard, like he'd seen some shit in his life. And he takes this deep sigh and just goes, son, go get yourself, uh, get your stuff. But you do not embarrass your country tonight. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, oh fuck. <laughs> it's, it's on. So like I go get my stuff. Uh, I get my, you know, my, my shoes. Like they give me a singlet. I weigh in. Everything's happening so fast. 
And I'm just and, – and Tom – like I said, Tom was was re- still really big. So he was, I think, the next to last weight class. And I'm just watching this whole thing unfold where, again, it's super, super tight. And, like, we're behind. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like – because I, I, the whole time I'm praying. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, please, like, please develop please, a lead please. so I don't have to look like – Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Then develop a lead where, where not, I can just, like – wrestle defensively and not by lose by too much and we still win and it comes down to not only do i have to win but i have to win big oh, shit. something about it i don't know the whole thing was too so crazy and so surreal that like i didn't even get nervous and i remember going out with this idea popping into my head like wait wait wait, wait. all these big amplitude throws that i would like to do but i keep getting penalized for in high school those are all legal now. <laughs> right. So, so I, I go out and it, again, it, the whole thing was so crazy. Like I didn't have time to be nervous. It was all happening so fast. And that was probably the single greatest. I mean, just, just from a mentality standpoint, like I was going out, I'm like, okay, I'm going to launch this motherfucking Russian kid into the rafters of this gym I'm gonna be a hero. Like this is gonna be awesome. Like that was that was the mindset I had. And yeah, I hit I hit a huge amplitude throw, five point throw. The kid was stunned. Um, I can't remember even the sequence. Like again, this is just. It, I felt like I was in a dream state. Like I felt like I was dreaming, watching this whole thing unfold, and uh, ended up pinning him. And we won the match based on that that pin. I uh, went two and zero, defending my country's pride, <laughs> and. And then afterwards, Bonzo comes over. He's like, "He was again. This is like shit out of a movie." He's like, um, "It's like, it's like you did good, kid. Uh, you should think about coming around more often." I'm like, "Yo, I think I just got invited to join Renegades. <laughs> Holy shit!" And I went home and I thought about it, and I was like, "Man, I just like I'm like one and zero in international competition. Um, I also understand how hard you have to work." To be able to compete at those levels, like I've to this day never been as tired as I was after those practices, and uh, I was like, you know what? I think I think I'm gonna focus on lacrosse, uh. and that that was that was sort of the turning point in my grappling career. Was it, it was like I had I had this really really bad season of weight cutting. And I had this euphoric one one note shot where I where I also got the insight of like just how how hard you had to put in. And I was like, I couldn't fathom working that hard and cutting weight at the same time. And I was like, fuck it. Like I just don't want to deal with weight cutting and, and all this. And I had a great experience. Uh and I, and I still wrestled the, the the next uh two years, but I did not put in nearly the amount of work um the the, the two following years. But I don't. I think I must have lost it. We we did a gift exchange after that. We so we gave the Russians like really really nice wrestling shoes, and they they gave us uh, <laughs> they gave us like these these t shirts. Oh. It was no, it was, it was these like cheap t shirts where like the first time I washed it, it started getting holes in it, and had these like like uh, it it almost looked like like knockoff like Disney characters. And I remember, do you remember when I was a freshman? So I guess when you were a sophomore, there was that Russian girl that everyone thought was hot at Whittier. Probably. What was her name? I'm, I'm, um, I'm brain farting. It was like Elena or Lana or something like that. Yeah, probably. Sure. But I, I just remember trying to get her to translate because the whole time I had it, I, I had it for 
three years at that point. I'm like, I was like, I wonder what the fuck it says. It's some secret. And she's like, no, it's just, this is just the name of sports club in Russia. Oh. It is, is. And I was like, ah. Oh. But I, and I remember I should have framed that shirt and kept it, but I, I remember I wore it and then I probably lost it because it was a fucking t-shirt. But that was, um, that, that was the sort of the, the height, uh, where an experience where I'm like, man, I, I definitely overperformed because I had no business even wrestling freestyle. I'd never wrestled freestyle, let alone in a uh, exhibition match against the Russian Olympic development team. Hindsight, hindsight being what it is, do you look back at, um, I guess not pursuing at wrestling and choosing to choose and choosing to go with lacrosse. Do you? And I say this in 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 frame of like your health, your current state of health. Do you think that you would have been your you think your body would have been worse for wear if you decided to go with wrestling long term and not go the lacrosse route or or vice versa it was was lacrosse a little bit easier on the body than wrestling was man it's <laughs> it, it's it's tough because because i kind of had all of them like i wrestled for a really long time and then i also played a year of football and i played many years of lacrosse which is a a, a contact sport and i did two a, a year of rugby and then jujitsu and judo. And so like if I if if I had just done lacrosse and I was like a normal person, no, lacrosse is probably easier on the body. But I I fucked up my hip playing lacrosse. Uh, and I also had a tendency to have a lot more sort of violent uh, collisions in lacrosse than, than most people do. Like most lacrosse players, there's going to be some hits, but they're not like the big bone shaking football type hits. Tried to get at least one or two of those in a game if I could, and yeah, you don't have a lot of pads, so it's it's really hard to pinpoint. I mean, my neck would have probably been a little bit more fucked up from from uh, wrestling than it is now. Don't wrestlers have like a lot of hip issues too, though? Don't like they have like it, again? It really all depends because we we broke down um, we broke down all these different types of wrestling. So a guy like Ben Askren who was twisting and contorting his body because he couldn't he couldn't really do regular takedowns uh he he ended up with a hip issue but no i think most wrestlers who are just doing american folk style where it's it's you know double leg takedowns single leg takedowns not usually usually hips aren't as much of a problem it's more it's more neck and back where you have a lot of pressure and and people cranking on your neck pulling down on your head that kind of thing so all this leads up we 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 kind of glossed over the the this this saturday so we're recording today is wednesday what day is it? Let me look at my calendario. Today is Wednesday, October 21st. By the time I do this editing and this shit goes up live, it'll probably be sometime late Thursday, the 22nd. But this Saturday, October 24th, is is a is another... I, we mentioned Brian Ortega, Korean Zombie, last week being a very uh, anticipated fight. The reason that one was so anticipated was because it was a fight that was in the making for like the past two, three years. Finally, it came to fruition. However, this weekend's fight's got a little bit of a different um, uh, promotional angle to it, if you want to call it a promotional angle. There's a UFC lightweight fighter by the name of Tony El Cucuy Ferguson, Latin American, American, Latin, whatever you want to call him, fighter at the 155 lightweight division that was on some kind of crazy tear, like 13-0 or 10 and 0, I forget what his record was like. He he was just on this crazy tear at the lightweight division. Finally it earned a shot at the title and the current champion was Habib 
Nurmagomedov. So much so that these guys, Habib and Tony, were paired up to fight like probably three or four times, and each time <laughs> Habib. Yeah, and each and each time that fight was uh, matched up, one or the other guy had to withdraw for whatever reasons. I think one time, uh, one time it was five times they tried to sure. do it. Five. A shitload of times. And it was like, it was shit like Five. injuries. It was shit like Tony Ferguson, like tripping over a cable at an interview and like hurt his, like fucking busted his ankle or his knee, had to have surgery. It was just a bunch of just, the fight was supposed to happen a number of times, never happened. Finally, Khabib was, Khabib was out. Khabib was out for a while. Khabib. Khabib was out because of the coronavirus. Khabib was out because of the uh, coronavirus. Um, lockdown, right? There's no fights in, like, he couldn't come to the United States because he was in Russia. Um, we couldn't go over there because they were on some crazy coronavirus lockdown. So the UFC decided to have this fight in the interim of Tony Ferguson against Justin Gaethje. Gaethje was also on a crazy tear, um, beating guys that, you know, quote-unquote, he was not supposed to beat, knocking dudes out. Um, they were like, you know what, until we figure out this whole... Habib thing, we're gonna fight Tony and 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 uh, and Justin Gaethje, and the winner of that will get the fight against Habib. The Habib's the true Habib. Habib's the true lightweight UFC champion. Uh, we're gonna na- we're gonna name interim champion. It, it turned out Justin played the major spoiler in this sequence of fights, and and did what a lot of other people had never done before, like just just destroyed. Tony Ferguson, like, bloodied him up. I want to say it was the fourth round, maybe the fifth round, where he just was, like, walking away. Like, like he like he got tagged a few times. Tony was walking away. Referee decided to basically save his ass and just kind of stepped in. Um, so, so Justin, spoiler, uh, became the interim lightweight UFC champion. Now, this Saturday... Wait, you're saying spoiler in case they, they want no, to no, no. go he back played, and he, watch? He, he played the spoiler. Oh, I say he played the spoiler. Played the I thought you were saying that as a spoiler no, no, alert. No, 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 no. <laughs> Come on. I think it's out there, dude. Come on, guy. Um, so, yeah, Justin came in, did did what was considered to be pretty close to impossible. It stopped Tony Ferguson. Now he's paired up to fight. Habib this Saturday, October twenty fourth, and there, there's one bit other big piece of the story, and and, we'll, and and before we, I think we get to the matchup between Gaethje and Habib, and how that plays into all this grappling stuff we've been talking about. The the one other part was, that I think is very important. I mean, Habib has been trained to be a killer since he was a little boy. Yes. Okay. His, his Dad Abdul Nurmagomedov. Abdul Manap. Yes, you're correct. Abdul Manap Nurmagomedov. No, Nur- fuck. Why? Why? It's, it's funny. Nurmagomedov. Now that I started saying it the wrong way, like I, I, my brain doesn't want to go back. He he trained him since he was a little boy. I mean, one of the the, the sort of legends in the, the MMA realm is there's this clip of a, a maybe seven eight year old uh, Habib wrestling. A bear, uh, and obviously it's a small. It's a small bear. It's probably a little bit sedated. The crazy part is the bear has pretty good fucking technique. Yeah. Like there's one part where it does like a, like a knee tap takedown where I'm like that's like an established wrestling move. Did it did it, did it teach it? Did like did it naturally do that? Did they teach it? We'll never know. But 
uh, Abdulmanap was was a master of sport in Russia. You know, he he was an accomplished grappler himself. You know, but it, like since Habib was a, a a little boy, he had been training him in in these grappling arts. And Abdulmanap was sort of like the, the father of. Uh, MMA training in Russia. I mean, he trained so many of the, the Russian MMA fighters. He and he'd been Khabib's coach always, and Khabib had always talked about how everything he did was for his father. The victories he got were for his father to honor his father. Uh, Khabib is is Muslim. Um, there, that's always been one of the tricky parts for the UFC in booking him. Like he, you know, when he when it was Ramadan and he was fasting, you know, they were not booking him. Um, and he's this very sort of traditional, I, I, I do this to honor my father. And uh, Abdulmanap Abdul has been in his corner, I think, for all but one of his fights. So despite the, uh, the, the COVID-19 stats that Russia was releasing, uh, I think it may have been a little bit worse than they let on. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and Abdulmanap uh, contracted... COVID. And, you know, I remember seeing that and I'm like, oh, fuck, like, you know, this, this makes a little bit more sense of, you know, with Khabib, Khabib being uh, hesitant to leave Russia, he's definitely not going to leave now when his, when his dad is sick. Uh, but I figured, you know, I was like, he's gonna, he's gonna get better. You know, he's still a relatively young man, you know, not young, but he was, you know, I think he was 50s, maybe 60s. Um, like, he'll get through it. And he, he fucking died. Yeah. Um, his, his, so Habib's, Father, the man that he was literally fighting for, you know, every every victory he had in the UFC was to honor his family and for first and foremost, his father is now gone. And there was a lot of speculation of like, is he going to be the same guy? Like, what's going to happen? Um, and so all this is coming into this match against Justin Gaethje, who... The, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. There, there's a, like a standard line that it seems every and want to be analyst and broadcaster is using. They're like Justin Gaethje, the most dangerous fight in all the UFC for Habib. And do, do you want to try to give the the analysis of why they think he's such a dangerous fight? Um, so Justin Gaethje's uh, nickname is the highlight. Um, I don't have the figures in front of me because I I hate pick, pulling up stats. Thanks to Aaron. Um, but he's got something crazy like in let's just say there's 10 UFC fights or 10 fights he's had in the UFC he's got like 11 bonuses it's some stupid uh, uh, fight of the night bonuses or knockout of the night or submission of the night whatever he has he has I want to say he has as many if not more performance bonuses to his credit than he actually has fights in the UFC and what that means is like in the UFC what happens is through the entire fight card at the end of the fight card Dana White gives a discretionary bonus to whoever has either the best knockout or the best performance or the best not or whatever submission, something spectacular you did. <clears throat> and in essence, Justin Gaethje does not have boring fights. And, and any fight you watch Justin Gaethje, some crazy shit will happen. Like he's going to knock somebody out. Go ahead. No, keep, keep, he, keep he's, going. He's going to just... knock somebody out. He's going to, he, or, or he's just in a fucking, he does a, he puts himself in a position of danger where most guys like will shy away from it. He just keeps coming, um, and his fights have never been boring. So just just to give you a little bit of an insight into the Justin Gaethje mindset and why he is uh, he, he's a little, a little bit of an odd bird. Um, by by all accounts, 
Gaethje should be a wrestle boxer. If you remember that right. when I was talking about MMA archetypes, there there were there's uh, wrestle boxers, they're control grapplers. There's this this and or, or Ortega is still he, he's he's a sort of jujitsu striker. Uh, there there's the the striker counter grapplers, and there's the one of the oldest, which I say. Uh, is probably one of the worst archetypes, and you don't see so many guys do it. Are the the brawlers? Now, so like Gaethje was a wrestler. He grew up as a wrestler. He was, I think, he was an all American um, uh, wrestler. And usually, guys with that background become wrestle boxers because they can, you know, translate their wrestling skill set right away. And they pick up some boxing to complement it. They kind of link the two together. It's a very functional uh, skill set for MMA. And Gaethje was like. Fuck that! I don't, and I've heard him say he's like, I don't, I don't go into a fight to to wrestle and like hug a guy. I go into a fight to either finish a guy or get finished myself. And 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 one of the craziest things I've never heard anyone do this. Um, Gaethje had been the champion of the World Series of Fighting, which was a much smaller promotion, Uh, but. You know, he was still a very dominant champion. And every, every, every time I've heard another uh, fighter come over who is a champion at another, from another promotion, they're saying, oh, I'm going to dominate. I'm going to become champion. You know, you're going to see how good this other promotion was. I'm good. And like, I remember hearing Gaethje get interviewed and they're like, how do you think you're going to do? He's like, oh, I'm going to do really well. But one of the, I'm going to get you knocked out by one of these UFC guys. And they're like, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. The way I fight, like, and how good the guys are here, someone's going to knock me yeah. out. But I'm going to knock out a lot of them before that happens. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, I've never heard a guy so at peace going, knowing that he's just going to go into a fight and there's a good chance he's going to get flatlined. He, he, and that did happen he, to him. He embraces the war. He, he um, <clears throat> you know, I've been watching those embeddeds and all this pre-fight buildup, all the news media bullshit that they release before a fight, uh, during fight week. And and Gaethje is fully content with he. I, I think he sure he wants to be champion. Sure he wants to win. But I think he emphasizes uh-huh. more like I want to make sure this fight is exciting as fuck. And I either I'm gonna knock this dude out, or this I, this guy's gonna choke me out on the ground. But one of those two things is gonna happen. I'm gonna obviously or, or he's gonna get knocked or, out. I don't know if he's gonna get knocked. Well, it, it well he, he did. That's how he lost. He, That's how he got finished uh, twice against Habib. <laughs> I, it wouldn't be no 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 no. I, I, I'm I'm just talking about coming into this. Gotcha. That's been his mindset. And, you know, he he was he was in that realm of like I will take a shot to deliver a right. shot, and he he finally ran into guys. You know, both uh, Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, who were skilled enough and durable enough, where that caught up to him. Yeah. Um, and where it was like he was taking a shot to give a shot, and eventually he couldn't take the shot, and uh, you know got. Uh, in the Eddie Alvarez f- fight, I remember it most specifically. I mean, they're both exhausted. They've just been trading damage. And he's, like, sort of slumped. He's, like, barely got his hands up. He's not defending. And Alvarez just just delivers a knee right to his chops. And he was like, and I'm done. Yeah. Um, but that that was sort of the way he was fighting. And just to, to really... Tie it all together if you if you if you're if you're not an MMA fan but you want a, a visual image of sort of his fighting style uh, in the MMA community a lot of people call him Homer Simpson um, both because vi- visually Justin Gaethje might look like uh, he has an extra chromosome or two floating around 
<laughs> and then his fighting style is reminiscent of uh, some of the Homer Simpson fights, uh, where particularly against when he's fighting that chick. There, there's Homer versus, or sorry, oh no, I'm, I'm mixing up. Uh, I'm mixing up. I was thinking Peter Griffin, but they call him Homer versus Simpson because when Homer fights, it's just like just this kind of punch. I punch you in the face, you punch me in the face, sort of slug, 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 cartoonish brawl, and a lot of Gaethje's fights end up like that, which is why he gets these bonuses, but also why when he ran into the top-tier competition, he struggled. But, but new wrinkle, in the last fight you were talking about against Tony Ferguson, that's not really what happened. He, uh, by all accounts, like, the the fight, again, why I brought brought up Tony Ferguson in the beginning was the the fight to to make was Tony supposedly had... What like he had the tools in his arsenal to impose the biggest threat to Khabib. Khabib's a take you to the ground, control mm. you. Hold on, that Maybe was that did. was kind of. I understand. Right, I'm saying. not saying that is the case. I'm saying that was like the talk. The talk was, Khabib's mm-hmm. a control grappler, take you to the ground, hold you to the ground. You're not getting up. I'm gonna punch you a lot. I'm gonna bruise you up, and I might even choke you during the process. Tony Ferguson's. Arsenal was like, oh, you're going to take me down on the ground? Great. I love being on the ground. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. I got long limbs. I can choke you out if necessary. But guess what? I can also strike with you. So that, like, like on paper, that was supposed to be like, this guy has the tools to be Khabib. But then here comes Justin, the spoiler again, <clears throat> and kind of outclasses Tony on the feet. Did he take some damage? Did he? Did, did Khabib, I'm sorry, did Justin take a few shots here and there? Yeah, sure he did. But he he battered Tony Ferguson um, with with the slew of leg kicks, uh, a good like a left uh, a left uh, hook, a bunch of other shit technical shit that I'm not going to get into. So so he was a lot more calculated. He was still aggressive. He he you know particularly against Tony who um, Tony Ferguson does not tend to have like one shot knockout power like he'll, he I think he he maybe files his elbows down to a point cuz he loves yeah. cutting people's faces open with his elbows Tony Ferguson does but uh Gaethje defensively was much better than we ever saw him he was still aggressive but he was a little bit more reserved not just leading you know in with his head yeah, just he didn't go in bra- he didn't go in with the brawly game plan so so he he really switched from less of a brawler more to a, a sort of striker anti grappler. Like he didn't he didn't ever engage uh, in the takedowns or let Tony Ferguson take him down. Um, Tony's and that's the weird part. Tony's base his his not his base his his previous experience had been wrestling. Um, you know he he was a wrestler growing up, and Tony sort of specked into this this. Uh, jiu-jitsu striker archetype that I talk about, which again, the problem with that was when you do that, you you have great submission skills and you've got you know good striking skills, but if your striking skills are not good enough to win, you can't shoot, change the location of the fight and make it a grappling match. And that's what happened. It was like he, uh, Gaethje was, was much more reserved. He was, he was, Hit way way harder than Tony. Tony was lo- uh, losing the striking battle, and he there was just no recourse for Tony to take it to the ground, and he got fucked up bad. And another thing, another key to um, Gaethje's success with, and and why I bring this up too is because 
you you brought up that <clears throat> um, Tony Ferguson's uh you know his backgrounds in wrestling. In wrestling, Grand Valley State. In wrestling, um, your lead leg is typically like one of the, your most valuable um, assets towards towards shooting for a takedown. Like you need your your front your lead leg for takedowns. Well, that's okay. I'll let you continue. That's not exactly true. But, but in, in the case of like MMA, like wrestling for MMA, it's usually like your lead leg is what you use to dip, right? Your 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 power leg, your front leg. If you're shooting du- like double or single leg takedowns, it's actually your back leg is what you, you're you're using to propel you forward the most. Okay, because I, I I again not having pra- practiced wrestling ever myself, that's just kind of what the commentators roll with is like your front leg is important for takedowns. Um, that I mean I just uh, that's what they say in the that's what the commentators say. Maybe they're wrong. Uh, maybe they're wrong. So I mean I can just tell you functionally, your, your front leg is going to be important to to move like. For footwork, for positioning, um, but the thing that actually spurs you forward from it, like you're pushing off your back leg to initiate a takedown. Okay. Um, uh, the, the 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 problem with if your front leg's really compromised, you you could still you could still shoot from the spot you're at with full force. You, really, all you have to do is just collapse your front leg and let it go limp to shoot. The problem is you're not going to be able to position yourself. Quite as well like you could shoot but you're gonna be like five feet away from the guy if he doesn't want you to be there what you need your front leg is to get to that ideal range where you can actually shoot for a takedown because if you're if you're too far away and you shoot like they're not even gonna have to sprawl they're just gonna take a step back and then they're gonna punch you in the face as you're getting up um so it's not it's not so much shooting it's it's the footwork that you need to get in position to then shoot a takedown. okay sure i'll take that definition um gaethje's really good at calf kicks and inside leg kicks towards the front leg, so it mm-hmm. kind of almost stifles some of the take takedown attacks for a lot of these wrestlers. Um, and and that's and that's Gaethje's one of Gaethje's bigger strengths is he throws leg kicks where a lot of these fifty fivers and the lighter guys like they they throw them here and there, but they're not as important. Whereas Gaethje loves 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 leg kicks. He got a really good, strong, powerful, quick whip. Not like a Barbosa where like it comes at you out of nowhere at awkward ankles. Like you kind of know where Gaethje's leg kicks are coming from, but they just they're just precise and they do they do damage, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So Gaethje does that to the front leg. Uh, did that a lot to the Tony Ferguson. In Tony Ferguson, I imagine he's going to try to employ some of that against Habib. Um, but I I will it be enough? And this is this is the other part, and this is where, again, not all grappling is created equal. I would guarantee that Tony Ferguson, when he was wrestling, was not a double leg, single leg type of guy. The the issue that someone like him or John Jones, or this also happened to me when I was uh, a sophomore, is when you're a taller guy, it's just much harder to execute those techniques, particularly because a lot of people who go into wrestler wrestling are these, these little like shorter sort of explosive stockier guys. So for me, a lot, this was what happened my sophomore year. I was six feet. I had this huge growth spurt, which is why I had this really bad weight cut. And I was wrestling guys who were like five foot seven. So trying to get underneath a, you know, a five foot seven guy, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to, by the time I dropped low enough to actually get underneath them, they had all this lead time to see it coming. 
and it was just very hard to execute. So that's probably never really been his game. And uh, you know, you could see a guy like John Jones when he was athletic enough to do upper body takedowns and sort of overpower, you know, a, a Shogun or a Leo Machida, a guy like that, where he's just bigger and more powerful and could execute those upper body takedowns. He looked really great. But when he was trying to shoot in for takedowns against Dominic Reyes, he just wasn't right. that successful. Was, they were just as tall or just as long or, you know. Um, but but that's just not – it's also just not his wheelhouse. That's like he, he he's probably spent very little time really developing those techniques. Yeah, as a wrestler, you know how to do those. Like that's, that's like day one, you know, uh, lesson one. Okay, this is your wrestling stance. This is uh, a, a single leg takedown. But – that's not something he's probably spent tens of thousands of hours working on because it just wasn't conducive. When you're, you know, when you're six foot foot three and super skinny, shooting those is just not going to be real conducive to to your right. body type. Uh, and Tony Ferguson, um, probably, to- I'd say Tony Ferguson and Aljamain Sterling, but but Tony Ferguson especially have the most parallels to like a John Jones. So he probably wasn't great at those techniques to begin with. And then Gaethje also has a wrestling background, and I would assume is probably a great deal stronger than Tony Ferguson. So it was just going to be hard for him to ever get get it to the ground, if that makes sense. And this this is all important trying to, to see how all these different grappling sort of archetypes and skill sets are going to come into the, yeah. the, uh, the, the Habib matchup. So... <clears throat> We, we, we kind of sort of <clears throat> talked about some of the things that Gaethje's good at, I guess. Um, I think we kind of sort of talked about some of the things that Habib is good at and what to expect from him. Um, how do you think this, fu- this fight will play out? Like, like um, what do you expect to see? Well, so, so the, gr- the great thing is we know what each one wants right. to do. Right, yeah. We- Habib, like, like, there's no secret. Like, like uh, Habib is like in that Damian Maya sort of uh, parallel, where it's like he's got one thing he wants to do. You know exactly what he what he wants to do. Good and, luck trying to stop it. And 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 yeah, and, and Habib's yeah, no one has been able but, to oh, yeah, stop by, it really. By, there's some we people to mention. By the way, Habib is 28 and 0. <laughs> yeah, never lost, not lost a fight right. ever. In in uh, in MMA, it's hard anyways. to say. Um, it's hard maybe, to say that he's ever even been in trouble. Really, I think he's been tagged like maybe I count two or three times that I've seen in the UFC fights where he might take a shot and like, oh shit, he's kind of dazed or kind of woozy. So, but that's it. I I would guarantee you that Khabib has gotten fucked up bad in some MMA fights and lost really really badly. But it was probably when he was twelve years old by his dad. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard to it's hard to um, ever see Habib have like a weak point during any of his fights. So the other thing is is Habib. I th- one of the things about him that, that I think gets overlooked is he's he's incredibly athletic. He's very explosive. He's like deceptively quick. Uh, that's that's sort of where like you hear Joe Rogan his favorite saying about Khabib is like oh Russians that's a that's a different type of white person and then I kind of take offense <laughs> I'm like come on Joe Rogan it's not just it's not just Russians just because you're just because you're five foot eight and not explosive Joe Rogan does not mean that all white people aren't um, but that's neither here nor there 
Habib, what he wants to do is he wants to use his striking. You know, he wants to explode for it. He wants to pressure to back his opponent up towards the cage. Use that to to get a takedown. He, once he gets them down, he's going to isolate their limbs. He's going to control them. He's going to ground and pound them until they give up. Or uh, if he if he wants to be merciful, he will just get a submission. But more often than not, once he, you know, he'll get an arm and a leg locked up. So you, you can only use two of your limbs and he's got a free arm and he will just punch you in the face over and over. Like the, like one of the most famous uh, Habib beatings that he dished out was against Michael Johnson. He did exactly that. And he's just sitting there talking to me. He's like, he's like you must give oh, yeah. up. You cannot give up. He does that up. a lot too. I will keep pounding you. You cannot, you cannot win. I will keep. And he, the fucked up part is, he's like, he's not shit talking. He's just being really yeah. honest. Like, you can, you cannot escape, brother. You, I don't think he called him brother. He calls everybody else brother, though. Aka, he'd be saying, brother, brother, you cannot escape. You, I will, I will just punch your face until you cannot see anymore. You must give up, brother. It's like Jesus Christ. Like that has to be so, so demoralizing. I think there was one other performance where he battered somebody pretty bad. I didn't I this is one of the fights I didn't see. I didn't get a chance to see. I forget the fuck I was doing. But I heard he fucking destroyed Edson Barbosa. Uh, I didn't get to see that one. Yeah. That that one to to Barbosa's credit, he met, he made it five rounds. Uh and but it was just he just could not stop Barbosa is really, really easy to back up to the fence. That's probably one of his biggest weak points. Uh, he's not good at lateral movement. So Khabib, Habib could just back him up. And Barboza, to, to his credit, like he was trying stuff. He was trying to get out, but he just did not have... I'm, tr- I'm trying to think how to... like. It, it, when I, remember when I just a second ago I said that, that single leg takedowns, that's like day one, mm-hmm. lesson one? In grappling, it's like you've got day one, lesson one stuff, and then you've got 7,000 iterations after that. So it's like, okay, so you, if you, you get the single leg, but then it doesn't work, then you can get the single leg and you can do something called run, run the pipe and you, you kind of twist them in a circle so they fall down. Well, if that doesn't work out, you could switch to a knee tap. If that doesn't work out, they're all, there's, there's like 15 different steps where if the first thing doesn't work, you can chain it to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And... Um, that's when you hear the announcers say chain wrestling, that's what they mean. It's like switching from one technique to the next technique. So it's like you might have, you know, so somebody might have an answer for the first takedown that you attempt, but then you try a second thing, then they have an answer for that. And you try the third thing. And these master grapplers like Habib, they're going to go six, seven, eight chains yeah. deep. And a guy like Barboza, like he, uh, sometimes he had an answer for the first thing. And then by the second or the third thing, he just had, he he was out, um, and and that was one where it was tough to watch because man, it's like Barbosa was really trying. He he tried to he, to that last round. He was still trying to like get a, a takedown, but he was so tired, so beat up, he just could not do it. Um, and the 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 question with Gaethje, which and this is where it's very interesting to me. Um, we also know what, what he wants to do. He he wants he wants to he wants to keep keep having highlights. He wants to keep it standing. He wants to damage. deliver some huge shots. Fuck Khabib up, and it's interesting because each each of them wants to break the other. Khabib wants to get him down, get Gaethje down, and break his will on the ground. Just smother him. Just just suffocate him like a fucking uh, python. Yes. Just just squeezing the life out of him. And 
Gechi, uh, Gechi definitely does not want to strike like a cobra. He wants to, I'd say, strike more like a warthog or maybe a, a rhinoceros. Sure. <laughs> just, just fucking, just batter him. And he's he's become a little bit more tactical about how he sets these up. But he also wants to beep, uh, break Habib's will, and he wants to, get, you know, just keep battering him and battering him until Habib is like, no more. I, I, you know what? I, I maybe I've taken these shots, but I, I, I don't have the will to take another one. Um, and the the X factor where it always come comes down to is who is going to be able to keep the fight in the 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 area that they want, and the part that is again the most interesting to me is how is Gaethje's wrestling going to translate? Uh, and you've heard I, you probably so many announcers and analysts. Oh, Gaethje's a stud wrestler and he was an All American and all this and that, and I actually went back and watched some of his 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 uh, college matches because I'm like, okay, let me let me see what his skill set was in college, and I'm not gonna lie, I was yeah, underwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't I I don't think he was as good a wrestler as some of these commentators, specifically Rogan. Rogan likes to fucking kind of sell points sometimes for the UFC. I'm not saying he, mm-hmm. Gaethje wasn't good in wrestling, and that's not to say that Gaethje hasn't evolved or gotten better at wrestling. Um, I think he's learned to use his wrestling style and adapt it for MMA better. But it, his, I, if you were to if you were to like scale whose wrestling is better, Khabib, Khabib's or Gaethje's, like I I think there's I think for sure it's Habib's wrestling is just more. Uh, it's more dangerous for for this fight. Well, so again, when we when we were talking about um, when we were talking about that sort of skill breakdown, Habib does really much. Uh, he comes from that sambo background where his his upper body takedowns phenomenal. His lower body, you know, his double, his single legs, eh, not so great. Um, his control, phenomenal. Like that's that's one of the things grappling wise that sets him apart. I think from almost every other wrestler. Uh, you know, other you know the only the only person I've seen grappling wise that is on, on par with his, with Habib's control. There's two others. There was Ben Askren, who the rest of his game just was not developed for MMA, and then Damian Maya. But like to to talk about that level, you're you're talking about the best of the best in terms of grapplers in MMA, and the rest of Habib's game is much more functional than a guy like Askren or Maya, and unlike. Maya and especially unlike Askren, Habib is also like a, a super athlete. You know, he he's he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, the the with Gaethje, when I watch his, his college wrestling matches, he who he very much there there is a I'm trying to think how to describe it. There is a style of American folk style that's taught, and this is especially from guys that come from the Midwest and go to college who are who are tough, who are athletic, but maybe didn't start you know, wrestling when they were like four years old and they don't know every technique under the sun where it's like, okay, we're going to teach you how to get, you know, a takedown and we're going to teach you how to defend takedowns. And if you screw up, we're going to teach you some scrambles, but they don't know their control isn't nearly as good. They don't have 15 different answers, but their defensive wrestling is really solid and they're trying to win matches three to two where maybe they get a takedown and escape. Um, and get you, get you kind of relied on some some explosive takedowns 
and being weird and athletic and kind of like just wearing his person. His, his fighting style and his wrestling style wasn't that different. It's like maybe the technique wasn't the cleanest, but he was just going to keep coming at you and keep get, battering you. And he was going to try to break your will. Um, and there were a lot of times where I would see him give up takedowns. Like, dude, like, what were you doing in this match? Yeah. Like, come on. I shouldn't say a lot of times. I think I watched three of his matches that I could find on YouTube. But the... The the question the thing that's interesting is one is 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 Khabib gonna be able to back him up because Gaethje has not been a guy who has ever gone right. backwards and for Habib to be at full takedown strength he has to get you back back him up two is is Gaethje big enough and powerful enough where it's gonna mitigate some of Habib's upper body takedowns yeah um, because. That that's his that's his bread and butter. Again, even against Ally Quinta is a small fifty five pounder. Yes. Like I, I bet I Quinta if he really wanted to could make one forty five. And once and I I Quinta I, I I he might even be a little bit better of a wrestler than, than Gaethje, um just from a technical standpoint. But once once I Quinta realized oh if I just don't react to his jabs and I'll just just take jabs in the face and I don't back up. He he can't really take me down. Iaquinta was able to to keep the, the fight standing, and Gaethje is a guy who gives zero fucks about getting hit in the face. Yeah, if he's like, oh, all I have to do is just let him get hit me in the face, and he can't take me down, and then I can slug him. Awesome, let's yeah. do that. <laughs> so th- there's there's some some interesting X factors at play, and the last part is we've never seen Habib in trouble. Um, like I said, there, there's been like two or three times where you can see he's gotten like rocked or kind of hurt, but he's his grappling is enough where he can clinch with you or or, or take you to the cage, press you to the cage, and kind of recover. But yeah, he's been he's been tagged uh-huh. like probably two or three times ever, ever, ever that I've seen. Well, and th- this is the this is the other the other part that I can sort of attest to is Habib, one of the things people always talk about is Habib has this incredible stamina, mm-hmm. right? He's he's just like and you watch in that Barboza match, he's coming at him, he's coming at him, he's going full blast. But part of that in a fight isn't just are you able to physically perform the action. It's like are you in your comfort level? Are you relaxed and calm? Even even though you're expending energy to do all this stuff, is it something you're you're comfortable doing? And just for example, like when I started jujitsu, I could wrestle way, way longer than I could do jujitsu. And wrestling is just, just by its sheer nature, it's a higher impact, it's a faster pace, it's a more tiring grappling art. But I would get, my heart rate would get elevated in jiu-jitsu because people would start, you know, going for neck attacks or things that maybe I didn't exactly know how to defend. And I'd, I'd use a little bit extra energy because like, you know, your fight or flight kicks and you're like, oh fuck, he's going to try to take my neck. Like you get a little bit um, amped up. And I guarantee you, uh, Habib in a grappling format, he could be getting fucked up. He could be getting punished, and he would stay super calm and and uh, relaxed. And like he would just, you know, I'm gonna work through A to B to C. I've done all this thing, all these things a million times. Um, but but his his striking has primarily been from AKA. Yeah. Um, no no hate to AKA, but I think they they do a good job. Getting wrestlers to be able to use their wrestling, but in terms of purely teaching them striking, it, it it's yeah. kind of shit. Like I don't think any of the AKA guys have actually been 
like good strikers. They've they've <laughs> when they win, you know, so when we say AKA guys, that would be like a Daniel Cormier, Luke Rockhold, uh, Habib, um, most famously. Like they're 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 not winning based on their striking prowess. They're they're winning based on their toughness and their athletic ability and, and other things that they're bringing to the table. And I could really see if even if it's just for a round, if Gaethje can force him into this this. Un- uncomfortable territory where all of a sudden he's piecing Khabib up and it's like just like I was saying with grappling where Gaethje's going to his second and third looks and Khabib, Khabib is like well I have my first look and that's always worked before fuck it's not working I don't have an answer to you know the third one all of a sudden he, you know his, his heart rate's a little bit elevated he's not seeing the the the, uh, the, the punches coming and he, he starts getting fatigued that could that when you see a, that happen to a grappler, it, it's like even worse. I think. I mean, like the ones that I can remember, which were just difficult to watch, was uh, like poor freaking Damien Maya against uh, Kamara Usman and Colby Covington. Um, you know, Maya was an absolute freaking shark on the ground, but he put all of his points into jujitsu and he put like a couple points into wrestling and like a point into, to, you know, his, his striking and his jab. But when he could not get those guys down and they kept it on his feet, it was just this slow, steady getting pieced up, you know, and he got slower and his takedowns got worse and he couldn't defend the punches. And it's just, you're just watching this, this, it, it was, it felt like, like me watching like some sort of like, uh, like a, like like a beautiful exotic zebra just getting slowly nipped to death by hyenas. I'm like, oh Jesus. no, this beautiful majestic creature getting just killed by like bite after bite after bite. Ah, so to uh, to to I don't I don't think uh, everyone's gonna anyone's gonna ever call uh, Habib a, a beautiful majestic no. zebra. Uh, he, he's he's a different animal he's an for eagle. sure. I don't know about if. He, I, I don't. I don't think he's an eagle. Yeah, <laughs> That's not the way he see fights. That or whole, like the, the flying kick when he was like talking shit to. Uh... Yeah. Y- yes. That yes, I awesome. did. But but he's 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 not an eagle. He's a little bit of a. I think he's a bear. So you're saying that Justin has a chance at winning. So you're saying there's a chance. Yes. <laughs> I think it's I think it's one out of a million. <laughs> uh, what was that? Dumb and dumb. No, it's not. You're, 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 yeah, you're supposed to say. So you're, you're saying, saying there's, there's a chance. chance. I know we said it backwards. Um, I, I I look. I'm, I haven't looked at the line. I haven't looked at the odds. I'm pretty sure Justin's going in as an underdog. I I. Oh, he's got. Yeah, he's I, got I, to, I, right? um, I like underdog stories. I like I like. I like both their stories, honestly. Like Habib, because he's always been a respectful champion. Um, Post fight, he's always been a respectful champion. There's no real bad blood leading up into this. There's the whole storyline about Habib's father just passing away not too long ago. Um, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons to like Habib as a fighter and as a champion. Uh, is almost a three to one underdog. Um, Habib is at uh, minus three twenty-five. Gaethje plus two fifty. I would expect Habib's line yeah. to be a bit. Well, anyway, it is what it is. No, that's actually probably Habib's, about right. Habib's a, a pretty sizable um, favorite. He, he's he's like I said, he's very likable. Um, 
but I also equally as equally like Justin's um, story as well. It, it doesn't have like the whole tragic, like my father died, anything like Justin's story is like, mm-hmm. Hey, I came from the middle of this fucking BFE nowhere city in Arizona. Um, I'm not supposed to be here. Uh, I got an opportunity to fight Tony and I beat him and hell fuck. I want to, I'm going to show up to this fight on Saturday. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that um, there's going to be blood, that there's going to be, Damage done to both Habib and I, um, so I like I like that kind of like that raw like I'm an underdog and that's and fuck it attitude. Um, so last week we talked about the Ortega zombie fight and I ended up taking Ortega and parlayed it with something else, mm-hmm. and obviously Ortega won. Ortega did what we didn't expect to do. We, I don't want to go in too far into that fight, but I ended up winning. Well, well I'm just. Just to just to continue this this Ortega was a jujitsu striker. What I've what I've always said with jujitsu strikers, I'm like, man, just just go down the, the wrestling skill development tree so you can actually get takedowns. And what they usually do is what Orte- Ortega did was just be like, oh well, I couldn't take them down and I got fucked up in striking, so I'm gonna put even more points into striking and I'll make the striking part right. of it better. And in in this case, you could tell he really had worked on his striking in the yeah. two years he had off, and he was he was good enough where he could outstrike Zombie. He wasn't really able to get him down or do any meaningful meaningful grappling. He didn't uh, improve much as a wrestler, but he was able to threaten the wrestling, and um, you know, that, and that's what that was one of the things I talked about last time, where it was like one of the th- he's he's. All of his striking is based on the fact that he's got longer reach and he's taller, and he will be taller and have much longer reach than Zombie, and that coupled with the improvements in striking was enough where he could he, he, he you know fuck Korean uh, Zombie yeah, up a little bit. I didn't want to bring that into that fight. Um, there was a couple of thi- a couple other things we could mention that the reason why Ortega won the way he won, he he dominated all five rounds in my opinion, but he won. Um, Will we see a performance like that out of Gaethje where, like, holy shit, where, you know, what the fuck did this guy do in this, 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 uh, during this time off? He hasn't even had time off. He, he fought a few months ago against Tony. But what did he do to drastically, I guess, change his game around to where he can nullify, uh, Habib's, uh, just like you said, control and, and grappling and this, Speed and strength, because because if it was look, if it's gonna be a strictly stand up fight, if Habib says fuck it, I don't want to wrestle today. I don't want to wrestle. Me and me and uh, Justin, we're just gonna trade fucking shots. Justin's gonna fuck him up. Justin's gonna fucking just do massive, massive damage to Habib. Major. Sure. we we have different uh, opinions. So so so. So, so, and again, this really comes into it. Really comes into the the mindset. Um, if takedowns were completely off the table, and and you said to Gaethje, you don't have to worry about the takedown at all. Then yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. The the one, and this is one thing, and this this really speaks to the the mindset of who's in there. Like a guy like Conor McGregor also would fuck Habib up in that yeah. sort of uh, stylistic fight. But when they fought. Connor was so worried about the takedown because he knew all the the implications, and it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna be stuck under this motherfucker for minutes, getting punched in the face. That he was so worried about that that Habib was able to just clock him and, yeah. and drop him once. 
Um, largely because, so I don't, I don't think Gaethje, Gaethje, the beautiful thing about Gaethje is he just does not give a fuck. He does, he does what he's going to do. So I, I don't think that will be as much of a problem, but, uh, again, Habib is really powerful. He, he's a better athlete than Gaethje for sure. So I, I, you, you, you never, you never entirely know what's going to happen with him. That's what I'm saying. I, uh, athletic ability can be a great equalizer. That's what I was trying to say. um, Comparing the two fights, comparing Brian Ortega, Korean Zombie versus Justin Gaethje, Habib Nurmagomedov, I, I, I thought it was likely that Ortega could win the fight. Although it was, it was obviously it was a long, a long shot. He was an underdog. I don't see the same, like, like I know Gaethje's an underdog here, but I just see it l- less likely that he will win. He's got ways to win. I just don't have as much faith that Gaethje can close that that gap, that grappling gap between him and Habib, and 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 just kind of nullify Habib's strength. Um, again, again, the, well, the one thing the, the, Habib can do is just throw that out the window. He can just say, "Fuck it, I'm just going to strike today." He's not going to do that. No, no, you can't. You don't have to worry about that. The the, the Thing at play, we don't know how big that gap is. I really don't think True. we do. True. Um, and and this this is sort of what what I I've been getting at is the the take takedown aspect is not the strongest part of of uh, Habib's grappling game. Right. It's the control aspect, and we've seen him have trouble uh, with with wrestlers and you know in the past like he he did have a, a fair amount of trouble getting Iaquinta down and Iaquinta not the best most decorated he wasn't all American he's he's small for the weight class but he's just you know tough and plucky and he ran into trouble there uh, and I'm trying to remember who it was there was one fight earlier in um, and let me see if I can look it up. But it was it, where it was like really touch and go because Habib had a lot of trouble getting this guy down, and it, it was just because he was a big, powerful guy. Uh, it was against let's see, Glayson Tebow. That's who okay. it was. He really and like Glayson Tebow was just a fucking tank. Yeah. And I don't I don't think he was a wrestling first sort of guy, but he he had worked on his wrestling. He was just big and powerful, and Habib had a lot of trouble executing those those like upper body throws, and he had to re- rely more on uh, single leg type takedowns, and he just that's just not his wheelhouse. Um, so Gaethje is also a big, strong one fifty five pounder. So I think Habib's go to. Uh, go-to takedown techniques aren't going to be as effective as they normally are. And then on top of that, Gaethje is not one to to back up. Like, he he's going to... If, if Habib charges him, he's going to sidestep because he does have foot, good footwork. He's, uh, he's trained by the same um, striking coach that, that works with Rose Namahunas, who's, I think... I'd say one of the best, if not the best, in I the love that game. coach. That coach is fucking awesome. What's his fucking name? Uh, uh, God damn. I'm blanking on it too, but like you, you, he, they, he's he's such an intelligent and insightful coach that they started bringing Trevor him Whitman? on. Trevor Whitman. Yes, yeah, it is Trevor Whitman to, to do commentary. So like he'll he'll listen to what the corners are telling them and then give this like quick analysis of the corners' advice and what he would have said and like you know he's he's just a very smart coach and part of the thing 
with him is he he will step work from step one and really get all the fundamentals and basics, which is why with a lot of his fighters, like Rose Namajunas would be a great example. It took her a while where she really became this sort of striking prodigy because with, with a lot of the wrestle boxers, they're giving them just this sort of like key techniques where it's like you got to get this jab and you get – they're kind of piecemealing it together so they can be more effective right away. But when you're giving someone like the full complement of skills, it takes a lot longer to really get all the fundamentals. But once it clicks, then you see someone like Rose Namajunas who just looks like they're on another level. And I think we might have just seen that click with Gaethje. Uh, yeah, the, in that Ferguson yeah, fight. Yeah, you're right. He he didn't he didn't uh, do his normal routine Gaethje-ness. So I think probably what we're gonna see with Gaethje is a guy who is hard to back up, um, who is strong enough to make some of uh, Habib's more go-to takedowns difficult, and who I don't think we're gonna see anything new from him. But I I can't I can't remember the, the name. I I. I Heard the guys that that Gaethje has been working with in in wrestling, you know, f- leading up to this fight, yeah, and like I was like, oh, they're fucking legit, like yeah. that, you know. So I I think he will have uh, sharpened the existing tools that he had, kind of dusted the cobwebs off, and it's like, is that the the part of the puzzle that's just really hard to answer? Is is that going to be enough where he can keep the fight? standing enough to inflict damage enough to slow Khabib down because you know if he can land a few big shots on Khabib just like with with Damien Maya the takedowns are going to be a little bit harder to come by and then he lands a few more big shots and then it's going to be a little bit hard to yeah. come by you know I don't think at any point um Khabib is going to look as much like a fish out of water as Maya did in those fights Maya once once he he exhausted his you know, his, his first option and his second option. And then he was getting pieced up. Like he just had nothing. He was just, it was yeah. almost like, like, can we just throw in the towel now? Like, it's cool. Like, please don't hit Damian Maya anymore. He's so nice. Like, come on, it's not going to happen. I think Habib is powerful enough and athletic enough. And he has way more takedown options. Maya basically had two takedown or options. And when those didn't work, he was out of, out of, uh, out of luck. Habib is going to have many different things to go to. But like I said, it's just you, you, it's just making him go to things that are a little bit less polished. He's a little bit more comfortable. Uh, I mean, I, I, w- I would say there's a 100% chance that Habib does get Gaethje down and does his thing. But is, is Gaethje able to weather that without taking too much damage? Is he actually able to make Habib uncomfortable enough and make him um, spend energy in, in areas that he isn't as practiced in? And get him t- in, in tired in a, in a way we've never seen him tired before. Like these are all the the sort of like X factors, and it, the real a- the answer to the question on my part is like I don't fucking know. That's why <laughs> a fight like this is so intriguing. Yeah. No. And uh, not to not to move on quickly, but we did talk about this fight for quite a bit. It is going to be a fantastic, fantastic fight, but. That's just how badass this fight is, but there's a bunch of other fights that are not. That I I, ho- I don't think we need to break that, those other ones down. Just to, to sum it up, the thing to me that's so intriguing about this fight is it could be an incredibly lopsided, just one-sided drubbing. 
in either direction. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be a complete back and forth war. Like this fight could end up on any end of the spectrum, depending on these like little fractional differences in these things that we're talking about. If if Gaethje lands some huge punches and Khabib just can't get him down and it stays standing, it it might be this beating where Habib is just trying to power through to pay homage to his father and his mind won't let his body quit when it should and Gaethje is just piecing him up. It could be Khabib is able to get those takedowns and Ga- you know Gaethje's wrestling just wasn't good enough to stop Khabib from doing what he what he's doing and it looks like a regular Khabib fight or it could be a little bit of column B, e, a little bit of column B. It's a back and forth war and this is one where it's like man you just have to watch to find out. Yeah, so that's that's the main 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 fight, but there's a bunch of other good fights in the card too. Can, I'm just gonna can start. I, what can, can I tell you about the probably the most intriguing fight other than that? I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that you're gonna say Whitaker Kenanier. No, it's it's Liana Jojois no, versus is Mar- Miranda Maverick. Just because, just because I thought I knew about all the cutie weights in existence, and then I was like, wait, there's. 100 and I think was it 125 pound cutie weight that I did not know about and Russian on top of that. Oh, <laughs> oh, good lord, be still my beating heart. Roxanne Marafari, you better, you better step your game up because uh, this Liana check might need a, a green card. And I'm gonna have a, a house pretty soon. There's some good grappling changing, uh, training in, in Denver. I mean. You know, I've been learning Spanish, but fuck that. I, I, will, I know Russian yet. Borsh, da. I can learn it. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Robert Robert Whitaker, Jared Cannonier, another good fight uh, with title uh, implications. Volkov, Walt Harris, heavyweights. Uh, Walt is coming off a loss, I believe. Volkov, this tall, crazy guy. Can- can I can I just just real quick just because I've been trying to apply these archetypes can I just fill those blanks in a little sure, bit? Sure. Sure. Uh, Cannonier is a a striker anti grappler and but he's just also an incredibly powerful explosive. He he's a, he's a, he's a, he not the most technical striker but he's the sort of guy that one punch he, he can just absolutely KO you and he's super powerful. Whitaker has also been a striker anti grappler. But the last match, we saw him switch a little bit more to a jack-of-all-trades. So he may want to continue that because if if he, if he if, if it's a striker uh, anti-grappler versus a striker anti-grappler and the one anti-grappler, striker anti-grappler can kill the other one with one shot, uh, it doesn't bode well. So it's like continuing um, uh, evolution for Whitaker. Volkov is also a, a striker anti-grappler versus Walt Harris, who is more of a brawler. Um, and Volkov has pieced up some brawlers, except for when he fought Derek Lewis, who is also a brawler, and got KO'd with like five seconds left in the match. Uh, and Walt Harris, I, man, I, I feel bad for him because this, it, 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 when it's a brawler versus a striker or anti-grappler, it does not tend to go well for the brawler. And Volkov's, Walt a Harris, big, Volkov's a big, tall, lanky... Heavyweight that knows how to use he knows how to use his reach too. There's like Stefan Struve's tall, lanky, but he doesn't know how to use his reach. Volkov no. does know how to use his reach. He's he's a very good kickboxer. They, his his nickname is Drago. He's not he's not uh quite like his namesake in terms of musculature and athleticism, but he's just that big fucking tactical Russian. Um and 
Walt Walt Harris, one one of the things that are to me are so interesting about MMA, and the only honestly, if it wasn't for the backstories of who these people are and how it expresses what happens to them inside this octagon, I don't think I'd be following them anymore but it takes a special type of person to be like yo i want to get into a cage and fight another human being for 15 to 25 minutes and a lot of these people have like difficult backstories and tragedies and walt Walt harris most recently his his, uh his daughter his adopted daughter uh, or i think i guess his stepdaughter was uh was kidnapped and the there was this month-long search for her and uh it turned out that she she was killed and there, he, his his first fight back was a very emotional one that did not go well for him and it's like fuck like another fight again where it's probably not going to go well for him like you 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 root for him because he it, at least i root for him because he seems like such a good guy and he had this like just one of the worst tragedies imaginable befall him and it's like and now he has to fight the uh russian drago as a brawler uh good luck bud I hope I hope for the best, but a couple other I, notable, I fear the worst. A couple other notable fights. I'm just gonna, I, I wanted to go through them quickly because the Dodger game's gonna start here pretty shortly. But um, Los Lord, Dodgers? Yeah, they're in the World Series, by the way. FYI, in case you didn't know, Game Two tonight. I did. I, I did not know. <laughs> yeah, they won last night. Anyway, uh, Lauren Murphy against Lilia Shakirova. The only reason Lilia Shakirova is fighting because uh, her his Lauren Murphy's original opponent dropped out. Um, I watched a little bit of Lilia's fights. She's kind of a wrestler. Yeah, she's I don't pretty think bad. She, yeah, she's, yeah, I don't, she's not going to stand a chance against Lauren the, Murphy. The, the, this fight has no title implications or Q to weight implications, no. so I'm not interested. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to bring up that Lilia's got no chance. Um, Magomed Ankalev against Ian Ku, Iwan Kutaleba. I don't know if you remember this fight, okay? This fight was supposed this fight already happened once. This is a fight uh-huh. where Ian was playing like fake possum, like fake injured. The referee stopped it pre uh, prematurely, and Iwan was like contesting, like, "What the fuck? Why'd you stop the fight?" Because he was he was getting hit, but he was like like faking he was getting more like taking more damage or getting more rocked than actually he was. That mm-hmm. fight has been they've been trying to take like to, uh, redo this fight because of the controversy of the first time. They this is like the third or fourth rebooking of this fight for whatever reason. Every single time they match him up. One dude gets hurt, one dude gets injured, uh, like the day of, the day before, the week of. This is like the fifth time they're trying to make this fight happen and finally gets to happen. I think it's going to be a good fight. Watch it, check it out. Um, let's see. Um, well, and the, the other part, just just speaking of, uh, you know, a different sort of sort different sort of white people. The, these are <laughs> these are two Eastern European. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I think. Kutalaba is from Moldova, which is uh, that's that's a, a rough part of the, the the former Soviet bloc. It's kind of like sandwiched in between Romania and Ukraine. Uh, and there's been, that the place has been, I believe, it's been war torn, and uh, they've seen some some fucked up shit. And and uh, then then you just have like a straight up, you know, Dagestani Russian sort of a la Habib and Co. And they're both they're both like just just deep in the rushing like yes brother sambo grappling ju- ju- uh, judo greco we do all oh, we crush you we smash that's their that's their mindset and it's like when you have two of those you know that you know that whole that whole thing of like um 
you know, the, the hammer versus the anvil, the unstoppable force versus the movable object. It's like, but what's like when you have like two of them that are sort of the same frequency and you just put them in an octagon and let them fucking bash into each other, something's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, it's always interesting to, to see those, those kind of similarly positive forces, see which one's stronger and who's going to break first. It's, it's a little, little bit sadistic, but this, this matchup will be interesting for sure. The feature fight of the prelims is Stefan Struve against Taitu Ivasa. Stefan yeah. Struve's uh, nickname. Well, I'm just like, because it's the feature. I'm bringing yeah. it up. Again, no title implications. I think Taito Vasa is like on a three-fight skid. He was undefeated yeah. before that. He was like 8-0, 9-0, something like that. Stefan Struve's this tall, gigantuan, tall, goofy, long-limbed guy that does not know how to use his, uh, no. his reach. He, he's gotten a little bit better, but no, he's bad at it. Um, And then versus poor man's Mark Hunt. Poor man's Mark Hunt. Yeah. Well, I like Ty. Ty's Ty's personality is a little bit more uh, fan-friendly yeah. than Mark Hunt. Mark um, Hunt is, is a happy-go-lucky. He's the, he, he's the old war horse. I can't do that, that accent. I don't know what the fuck that was, but... Um, I can't do yeah I can't do a, a New Zealand sort of Kiwi. No, it's uh, hard. All I know but, is Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oh wait, that's Australian. Never mind. No, I can do Australian better. If you just so you just have to you you have to say how to speak Australian beer. Foster's Australian for beer, and then you can just speak as an Aussie. Yeah, every your your voice rises at the end of everything you say. You want a beer, Armando? A beer? That's horrible. That's horrible. Yeah. That's pretty, actually it's not that bad. That was that was halfway decent. The uh, New Zealand scale, one is a little bit harder to do. Scale of one to ten, I give it a six. That's pretty good. Okay, that's right. a passing grade. Sure. In American public schools, anyway. Yeah. But um. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's like a D. You're right. Um, yeah. The the uh, in Chinese public schools, you're you're like taken outside and shot yeah, if you get sixty percent. But. Um, but but that's that's a whole another another thing. And then the last uh, the last fight that I think is Liliana no Jujoy no. versus Miranda Maverick no. The, uh, we're skipping a bunch of fights. We're not going after like we're not. I'm not mentioning all the fights. But the last um, fight worth watching, in my opinion, is Nathaniel Wood against Casey Kenny. Um, both guys look really good. The last couple fights. Um, they're, they're prospect. They're prospect. in the prospect, they're prospect category. level for sure. But they're both they both looking good. And it's the feature of the fight pass prelims, oh, I believe. Although Nathaniel, oh God, Nathaniel Wood did get flatlined by Dodson. I mean, yeah, that'll happen, but that hasn't happened with the top tier prospects uh, for a while when it comes to Dodson. Right. Um, he, he, he's kind of. He may have fallen into that gate, gatekeeper status we'll where we'll if. I, li- I like how he fights. Um, a thing a note of this weekend's fight is that the the fight pass prelims, if you have fight pass, begin at eight, and there's three fights, two or three fights at eight o'clock in the morning Pacific time. I'm saying Pacific time because they're fighting in Abu Dhabi, and then the main prelims start at nine a.m. Uh, Pacific time, and then the main 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 fight starts at like noon or one or some shit. So really weird schedule. Um, it'll be an interesting Saturday for us because we're going to Hal Labors. Uh, for for the fights, Hal Hal to- Hal saw Justin Gaethje fight, and Hal's not a UFC fight uh, 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 fan at all. But Hal saw Justin Gaethje's last fight against Tony Ferguson, and he's like, "Dude," he told James this. He's like, "Dude, next time Justin Gaethje fights, I want to host it at my house. I'm buying the pay per view." So ipso facto, this Saturday we're gonna be at uh, Hal Labor's house. He's got a swimming pool jacuzzi. 
We're going to be watching the fights at 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Just to, w- w- sorry, one, one, last, one last thing about Gaethje just to add. Every part of, of the fight with Gaethje is just like biting your nails drama up to and after the point where he wins because Gaethje, Gaethje has a habit of celebrating fights by climbing up to the top of the octagon, standing on the top of it, and then doing a backflip off of it. And there, there was, I can't remember what fight it was, but you could see he is exhausted. I'm like, okay, obviously Gaethje's not going to climb six feet into the air, perch, you know, balance on a fence, and then backflip off of it. How t- how tired he is. And then he starts climbing up. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? No, yeah. he's, he's going to like blow out a knee. He's going to land on his head. Like he might win the fight and then break his back, his neck and never be able to walk again. And no, he, he did his backflip. He still, so it's like pure drama every second with this guy. He's, he's insane. So yeah, just no fear. So yeah, we'll be, uh, I will be at Hal Labors this weekend with James Marshall and about three or four other Lancers. Um, the beginning of our day, will be grilling, eating food, getting food, you know, watching the fights, having a good time. The evening will be where we do our Lancer Beer Fest that I talked about uh, to you off air, Jaffe. Um, uh-huh. Myself and about, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 other Lancer brothers from different regions of the North America decided to ship each other beers. And we're going to do like a web Zoom call uh, conference and just get hammered together. Um, should be a good Saturday. I, I I'm planning on blacking out. Like, I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to black. Like, not, I'm not, I don't want to. I think it's just going to happen with the amount of beer we're going to be drinking. So I'm probably going to fall asleep on Hal's couch. Maybe get head in a jacuzzi. We'll see. From Hal? No. Okay, good. Phew. The way, there was, <laughs> the way you said that, it took a second for my brain to process. Because you told, so, so far all you told me was that Hal and James are going to be there. I was like, well. No, well, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, Cindy or Hal invite some girlfriends. I don't know. What the okay. Fuck's okay. All right. All it's right. Not, it wouldn't be, <laughs> just, hey, how about this? It wouldn't be the first time that I've gotten head in house. From Hal? In house jacuzzi. Hal? You know what? And, and this is what I just wanted. I just wanted to. I, it's been such a long time since I've been to Hal, but this really speaks to how great of a host Hal is. Like, he goes above and beyond to infinity to make sure his guests are happy and that's just that's just that's you know armando are you just calling him a buzz Lightyear? did you just call him buzz Lightyear? to to infinity and beyond as a host good 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 old hal he he uh um blow blow job jokes aside he he was someone that that made me proud to to be a a lancer when i was like dude this dude's a lancer i'm gonna lancer like fuck okay all right congrats to him he just got a job he had. Uh, I don't need to talk about this on air. Anyway, congrats to him. Um, con- con- congrats to, to Hal as a great host. Congrats to Amando's future penis. This is going to be a, a great weekend for MMA fights. And I'm uh, excited. Are you excited about this fight? I mean, I'm sure you're. Excited. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, an equally great weekend for little Armando Jr. Yes, my my little Mondo. That that was my that was my sign off. That's that's. All I got to say about that, I can speak for no longer than five seconds at a time about uh, Armando's dick uh, and before I got to go. So peace out for me. Uh, Dodgers won game one of the World Series last night. Game two is tonight. Hopefully by the time this uh, this episode releases, it'll be game three and we'll be up on them 2-0. Um, uh, good, good, good bye. Uh, good weekend, guys. Enjoy the fights. Watch the fights. They should be fun.
Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Mondo here. I just want to take the time to say on behalf of myself and Aaron that we appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from, but you took some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on. Please share our podcast, like and subscribe, follow us on all our social media platforms and all that jazz. Whether you love us, hate us, agree with our opinions or disagree, we still love you.